Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark 156 of Geeks Chasing Squirrels Across the Multiverse. I am in a room filled with heroes, my homeboys, my homeboys, my homeboys and homegirls, my co-hosts, my friends, Ross and Sarah. But I'm going to tell you right now, I got my Galaxy Buds Pro 2, which is a horrible name, in the mail today. And I have tried everything, I'm telling y'all, everything, AirPods, uh, you know, Beats, every kind of earbud you can try because i listen to a lot of audio all day long driving these things are phenomenal absolutely fantastic i'm not getting paid for this but i would recommend <laughs> go spend the money get those galaxy buds pro 2 um, they're amazing absolutely amazing anyway what's up sarah how you doing i'm doing well <laughs> i'm telling so you I'm glad i wish i could wear them right Greg. now i really do i, I like I, I watched the last few shows on my phone just so i could use the earbuds because they were so phenomenal like they're, they're amazing I, I, I'll, I'll tweet about it later. I'm sure. Okay. So. <laughs> Ross, what's up? Uh, I appreciate headphones quite a bit more than the average person. Not only that, um, I'm going to tell you right now, listening to Andor while watching it through headphones, so much better. Mm. The way that that music hits all those synth lines. And I'll talk about it when we talk about the show, but I'm going to tell you, it amplifies the living hell out of it for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that honestly, I, <laughs> I want to see if I can hook my headphones up to my TV because I, it, it, it is, it is better. I wish I could do it to my computer, but I'm not that smart and I'm not have to buy an adapter and all that crap. But like, I, I, it feels so much better to hear everything in your ear when you're wearing, cause the ANC, the, the noise cancellation on these things, at least is absolutely amazing. I mean, amazing. I couldn't hear the, the faucet running beside me when I was washing my hands. While, while I'm listening to the show, and I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. You know, not only so. that, with everything that I listen to, Apple does that spatial audio now, and that kicks everything's ass. I yeah. mean, listening to something in spatial audio because it it's almost like surround sound completely for your whole entire head. So, yeah. and and I will say, I, I, I always defend Android Galaxy Notes because that's that's what I am and that's what I like to to, to work with because you know, whether you like to admit it or not like the galaxy note or whatever galaxy series they have out and the apple are the hands down best in the market and i don't want to talk trash about apple because my wife and my kids have apple stuff and i've used uh airpods before they're fantastic i think beyond what i just got with these uh buds pro 2 that's the name buds pro 2 uh they're, they're probably the next best thing but man these things are amazing, like absolutely amazing. I'm sorry I'm just wasting so much time talking about them, but I'm just so amazed. Right off I got the home and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I got them. I'm going to watch some stuff on them. Like, it's amazing. So, anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Yeah. We got a couple finales. We got uh, no premieres. Actually, we do have a premiere. A couple finales mm -hmm. and two show premieres, I guess you could call it. Like, kind of two shows. Anyway. Well, but we three, also some, I mean, Prodigy came back, so that's true. Really watching that, yeah, that's true. Back. Yeah. Well, we also have some news. You want to dive into some news first, man, and we'll uh, go from there. We want to talk about first. Which which area do you want to go to first? There's a little bit off. of everything. We haven't talked about anything over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you started <laughs> off. I'm good. Star Wars is going to have thing. a movie. You know, at some point, Dave, David Lindelof is doing a thing. Um, so good for him. The running joke has been, you know, once again, he's picking up after J.J. Abrams. So he's got a movie coming out. The director is someone who did at least two episodes, I think, of Miss Marvel. 
Uh, I'm not a butcher by trade, so I'm not going to say her name. The whole premise of the thing is supposed to take uh, place after the Rise of Skywalker. So there's that. Um, Liam Neeson is actually, this is not really Star Wars, but if you're a Naked Gun fan, he's going to play the uh, next version of Frank Dresden. I heard about that. Yeah, How yeah that that's an that? interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure he can pull it off. He's a great actor, but it's not the first person I would have thought of. Yeah, nope. is it still gonna have like the yeah. same feels, like you know, that kind of that. How can it? Type? <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't see how weird. it can. So, I thought, like you said, it was an interesting choice, and I'm like, oh well, that's bold. <laughs> I think is the best <laughs> four letter word I can use to describe it right off the bat. Um, don't really have any Star Wars news other than the fact that like Prodigy came back. Uh, MCU Vision is getting his own show. Surprise, surprise. I didn't really see that one coming. I don't know how they're going to play with that. So that um, everyone knows by now that Harrison Ford is going to be playing Thunderbolt Ross. So interesting choice on that one, too. I just hope he's not so Harrison Fordy, you know, I don't want him to be so pissed off and like monotone. I want to be. I know that Ross wasn't exactly like a Ray major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> but I'm interested to see how this works out. Uh, beyond that, we're on the cusp of Titans and Lord knows when Doom Patrol and all your streaming services are about to have to pay for if you don't want to, uh, or pay more for, I guess, if you don't want the ad free, because like, apparently Disney Plus is going to do it and Apple is going to do it and. Uh, Netflix, I think, is about to start. Netflix is about to start charging you per profile. Oh, don't know if you Ooh, know about that. That's gross. I don't like that. Look, I don't mind paying for ads. I grew up in the commercial era. Yeah, you know, like commercials are normal for me. Like that's that's a chance to go take a bathroom break, grab a snack. Like I don't care about that. But paying per profile, I guess everybody's working off one profile in my house. If that's the way yeah, yeah. Live, which so that's, well, that's you know? the bad thing. Uh, yeah. They're they're trying to crack down on the password sharing. So what it looks like is they're going to be charging that, about two ninety nine a profile. But that won't stop it. Like that won't stop profile sharing. It's going to go down to exactly what I said. Like honestly, it like is it easier for you to have it free where you have to share a profile with somebody and see what they watch too as well as what you watch, or pay the two ninety nine a month for having your extra profile, it's going to be easier just yeah. to not pay the, pay the money. That's what I'm saying. It's not cracking it down. There's no way to stop this. Like, yeah, it doesn't happen. Like, work, like, there's no good solution. No. I mean, no. they're doing what they do with shows. They're throwing it at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that they're doing here. No, you're right. You're right. So uh, beyond that, the next biggest news, I mean, the, the biggest news of the week is the DC news. So you tell them about the big gun. You got big gun and you got you got the big gun. So the big gun, yeah. You know, it's about whichever one you want to talk about first. Yeah, you know, Henry Cavill came out with his little. Uh, was he on Twitter or was that Instagram? Was Whatever he was on Instagram. It's some form of social media. It yeah, it came out with. Oh, his don't little... worry. When I showed you guys that, Brian had already come running. He was like, "You see this? See this?" Yeah. Like, he's like, <gasps> "Yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. So he's back. You know, we're gonna see what transpires with this new empire that they're giving James Gunn and uh, is it Peter Safran, I think is the other guy's name. Sounds right. uh, one's going to be the 
creative guy and the other one's going to be the like the logistical guy. And apparently, apparently, they're reporting directly to the CEO of Discovery. So, I don't know how that's going to work. But my first thought right off the bat was, how are they going to do this without their hands tied? They seem to be putting in a putting those two in a position to where they're going to do it without their hands being tied. But I'm not quite sure how all that's going to work out. No, no, your hands are tied. Like yeah. hands down, your hands are tied. When you cast Henry Cavill as your Superman, your hands are tied. Do you know why? Because we've already had a fantastic fucking Superman from Henry Cavill before. So yeah. you can't just cast that character and completely change the tone of the character. And get away with it. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If they, if they want to shift into a different mode with Henry Cavill and Superman into this universe as character progression, then okay, I'm cool with that. But I don't... And I, I don't want to say this because it sounds mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. I want to say it. Say I don't want to see him daredevil it. <laughs> I don't want to see him daredevil it, like, to be really honest with you. I don't want to see them cast the same character and then completely change the way they act and portray themselves, you know? Not saying that I don't like Charlie Cox's Daredevil in She-Hulk or that, you know, it's terrible, but I just don't want to see that. Like, this is what I see as the character. Okay, give me a few movies or shows with this character and I can change I can change my mindset and get into it. It's fine. But like just give me what I liked before. Like, why why reinvent the wheel? Why change what's already good? You know? Let's live in this and, world that that's already been created. Let's live right, in this world. <laughs> right. And they can't they can't recreate the entire Zack Snyder universe. And I get that. But you can still if you're gonna have the same actor play the same character, you need to at least run along the same tagline or at least the same track they were going on. You know, you can veer off, you can have your liberties and do what you want, but I feel like if you completely change Henry Cavill as Superman, it completely defeats the purpose of hiring Henry Cavill as Superman. You know, I mean, the point of bringing him back was that he was so good in Man of Steel mm-hmm. and, and you know, in the prior in the movies after that, of course. But um, that's the reason why you bring him back. People loved him as Superman because of that, not just the look, the tone, the way he was. I don't care what people say. Like, there's a reason why that movie made so much money and that movie is still still to this day so controversial. And you brought Henry Cavill back. I think people hate this movie just to be heard. Sometimes, to be truly honest with you, and maybe I hate things. Why would people hard. do that? Yeah, maybe maybe I, maybe I do that with things sometimes too. I'm just saying. I, I just I just feel like if you bring Henry Cavill in and then you completely reboot the character, you're doing an injustice to what could be done in the, in this movie series or this universe. You know. No, let let's let's relish in the fact that we're having this conversation. Yeah, yes. we're having a conversation that. There, you know, when people talk about comic book movie fatigue and everything else, like we are now at a point to where the lines of division that used to be so clear between the things that we liked and the new things that kept coming out being better uh, are blurring. You know, the, the multiverse was its own take on how you could bring in characters, you know, Professor X con- contractually. Um, you bring in Reed Richards. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with that character uh, actor change or not. We know that eventually they're going to have to change Xavier. So, you know, they're just playing with your emotions at that point. All right. Uh, what are they going to do with DC with, with all of this? Um, 
I, I like clear division. I like separating lines. I like all the ducks in the row. You like and the organized. That, yes. Yeah. And I think yeah. that they're kind of, they're, they're goofing with it. And I'm not saying that I'm against it because look, Henry Cavill, I've said it before and <laughs> no matter how negatively it was portrayed on She-Hulk, uh, I mean, the man is a specimen. He is an actor who kicks ass. And not only that, he looks and breathes Clark Kent Superman. Mm-hmm. So I think that's phenomenal to turn around and find someone else. All you're going to get is comparison from day one once an actor is actually named. Yeah. Problem is, what do you do with the universe that's falling into pieces? You know, if it doesn't matter if you're MCU multiverse or uh, you flashpoint it in DC, whatever the case may be, with all these options they have, they're doing it so many different ways. And you're not going to get the full storyline that you're going to get in like comic books, you know, like at the end of an arc, so many actual pages and books, you're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, jump to the, the next thing, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing it with uh, the carryover of like Captain America where, you know, now we're, the rumors are green lantern is about to, to see a, you know, reprisal. I don't know what all these things are going to have for the future, but they're doing it. We can't stop them. And all we're going to do is sit and talk about it. So. Right. Sarah, you got any thoughts? I really wish my husband would get in on this conversation. I do too. Has Tell been him to more come on. excited about this because I'm telling you, just standing in the kitchen, I want to say it was the other day. He's like, Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? Because apparently he stumbled across something now. I don't know. I guess with the filming of that particular scene in Black Adam about that they brought all the suits in. They had all the suits ready for him, and he chose the man of steel suit. That's the suit that he chose. So beautiful. I mean, he had all the suits to choose from, and that's the one he chose. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard about that, but thank you for sharing. So, I mean, mm. he's like, I'm like, ah. so he's you can't put him in the black him. suit. You can't do it. Not next to Black Adam. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, well, it's just the fact that, the, yeah. like I said, the Man of Steel, that is, I think that's what all grabbed us, you know, regardless of everything else. Because it's the best part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, that's Brian's favorite movie, too. I mean, he'll sit there and, you know, shit, even now to this day, we still talk about it just randomly. So, you know, just, yeah, it's it's hilarious to me. I mean, it's, I love it. I love it because I'm like, he gets so animated. He's like, did you see this? Never tell me. Yeah. <laughs> they shot that scene like a little mm-hmm. over two months ago. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't even know I mean, it was like, so close. I'm sure it was an easy scene. You know, oh, it was yeah. after The Rock convinced him to do it. The Rock convinced him to do it. So crazy, I, mean, I don't think man. it was probably so much too power. much convincing, but you got to look at it with Warner Bros. No, I mean, it took like, a lot of convincing because we've been, we've been, people have been raving it for years to bring well, him back. You know, it's. I guess the stars finally aligned. Yes, so to speak. That's exactly so. what it was. Exactly <laughs> what it was. Well, you know, I, I feel like the DC universe and Warner Brothers Studios is very similar to the Carolina Panthers. Oh, and and. <laughs> They had a really good thing going mm-hmm. and they brought new ownership in that felt like it needed to change everything. And it did. And it screwed everything Can't up. Change the culture. And it's driven into the ground. And it realized after a few years, hey, maybe we need to stick with what we had. And guess Let's what? We still have Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. We still have Jason Moe's Aquaman. We mm-hmm. still have Henry Cavill as Superman. And you know what? Even after even after the amazing hit of the Batman comes out with uh, what's his name? The bat, uh, the, the sparkly bat, um, Rob Pattinson. I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying that. I, I love it. I, just no. couldn't remember his, I, love I couldn't it. remember his name. I'm not saying, he did a great job. Sparkle bat. Robert Pattinson. 
we still have Ben Affleck coming back to play Batman. And you know what? If Ezra Miller wasn't such a, is that a dumbass thing? and moron, he would probably still be playing The Flash. Okay. Is Batfleck coming back? He's coming back for at least one movie, at least one scene. And I can almost guarantee you, I'm saying it right now because I said it with Henry Cavill, he'll be back again. Brian was telling me that I don't know now, I don't know where he got his info from, but it's three movies. Now, if that's if that's the case, that I that's, will have to yes, find that from him me, where he but found I'm, that. But I'm he, awesome with that. he did yeah. say something that he came across that it's three movies that Cavill has signed on to. Oh, Cavill. Okay, I thought you were saying yeah. about Affleck. Okay, Mm-mm. Cavill. Right. I believe because I believe we're going to get Cavill in at least like a Black Adam two, Man Steel two, and some kind of Justice League two. I think. I think that's what he was saying. But like I said, I'm not. Don't hold they me to it. They got a long it. way to go for a Justice League two. Just like, but how it might be still... down the road. I mean, I'm not saying yes. right off the oh, bat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still how a lot of. How do we feel of... about Gun? I, no one's talking about Gun here. How you're do we right. feel about Gun? You're right. Listen, because I... Gun's the new head coach, and you're in your little, your little scenario. I don't think that Gunn, his tone is the best tone to direct every DC movie. Now, that being said, him being in charge doesn't mean he's going to direct every movie. So, with already said in the agreement that he's not right. So, with that, he's only supposed to be doing like three movies. Right. With that knowledge, I believe he's smart enough and creative enough to really stir up this universe and have a good time and, and like put out some really good product. If they pick a plan, Ross, like you've been saying, pick a plan and go with it. And I believe he's capable of that. Like when I first heard the news, all I could think about was great. Every DC movie is going to be a comedy. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, well, he's not directing everything. And he is a very good director. Like the movies that he's made, I've liked they've not been my favorite movies, but he definitely has a tone. He has a feel like you can feel this is a James Gunn movie, you know? Um, but I feel like he's smart enough to steer this ship. I think that if you put him in charge and you give him a chance and you follow his lead, we may have something really good here. Yeah. I mean, he's basically going to be the continuity master of this. I mean, that's pretty much what it's all going to fall back to. And, and I know that his, that. We need that back. Yeah, his his lore and his ability to like to dig through everything in the background to search for good stories. That's all him. Uh, you know, the, yeah, has he made you know directing decisions that everyone agrees with? Yes, but I mean, we turn around and you know we talked about Peacemaker. You know, when when he did Suicide Squad, it wasn't all that big of a deal. And I, like I said, the writing was on the wall with Gun and DC. It's been there. Like he he was a full-fledged part of the last uh, Harley Quinn season. He was in like four episodes of the show, and it's an animated show. He's he's digging into every little bit of it, and you can see him in the background playing with all the DC stuff. I mean, Marvel firing him, even before he actually brought him back, may be the best decision they ever did for DC. And I'd be truly amazed if they hand DC such a nuclear weapon and let this thing just pop off because I want to see it. I think he can do it. If if all that he truly has to do is sit back and and watch and follow and, and put the pieces together and say yes, no, and what's okay. And what's not, then so be it. Well, I I think you need a guy who's a puppet master, puppet master, you know, like you need a guy who's not necessarily making all the decisions on every creative design, everything you're doing, but like somebody says, these are the stories we're following. This is the direction we're going. 
work with what you have, get back to me, and let's make sure that everything ties in together. A foggy, or a foggy, you know, basically. Get a plan like together. Yeah. Just yeah. get a plan together. I hate to and put it like that, but yes. you can get in yeah. place to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then get um, get the guy from Ant-Man to describe it to me, because I want, I want it to be real fun. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. so check it out. It's like this, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All right. Yeah. Showtime. I mean, I I'm excited for for what's going forward, just because I want to see some direction. Yeah. What I've seen from DC, their last few things they've put out, I've been happy with, and I like the direction they're going forward. You know. I just want to see some kind of continuity, continuity, like you said, in what they're doing. Yep. Like it, it, it's, it's got to, it's got to make sense. Make me like, a believer. That's what I want. Well, any more news? I mean, I guess if you're a community fan, you're going to get a community movie. That's about it. I'm a community fan. Ooh, I'm Greg, a community you fan. like Joel McHale, so. Well, I like Community. Yeah, I like Joel McHale. Yeah, and I like Community. Actually, that's the reason why I watched Community was because of Joel McHale, but it's a, it's a really good show. So that's would be awesome it. to see a movie. I'm down. And I know there's more stuff, but I mean, I, mean, I got to be honest with you. past few weeks, we've done nothing but watch a shit ton of content. So <laughs> yes, every time I, I get news and it stacks up, I'm like, well, I'm just going to delete all of this because we're not going to come back to that for like a month. Well, we're going to have to go news heavy soon because we have we had two finales last week, two finales this week. We're going to run out of content for at least a couple weeks, you know, of, of stuff to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, I say that there's never enough content to run out of. So, uh, or never not enough content to run out. That's what I should say. We'll figure something out. That's all right. That's all right. Well, y'all want to go ahead and hop into? We're waiting on uh, talk about House of the Dragon with Cody when he gets on. Um, look, they were on fire on the free for all. Oh, were they? <laughs> like I was on there before we got on the show, not on there, but like in the chat room, and they were on fire in the free-for-all so it's, he may it's been be a, a crazy little couple of weeks dude i mean it's been look if you're a panthers fan if we win on sunday we lead the division we That's are number wild. one in the division if the if the season ended today we would be in the playoffs, it's just and that's why I can't that. get in that chat room, man. Because everyone gets doom and gloom and real, real one sided. And I'm just like, everyone just needs to sit back. I mean, but yeah, see, that's I was the not thing about it. Fan. That's the thing about it because now it's been just so doom and gloom for the past three seasons, and now it's finally. I know everyone looks so happy. Light. And, yep. and you know, I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just, I'm still gonna sit there and watch it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like I said, I think I tweeted this or something. I said, you know, the good, the bad, and now it's the ugly. Well, you know, you got to hit rock bottom. Maybe it's time to, you know, come up, you know, let the cream rise. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of decisions that need to be made because this is not 100%. But, you know, everybody's saying, oh, it's a young team. You know, they'll come into. Okay, fine. I'm just glad you finally have somebody in there that are using the pieces that we have and put them in the right spots. And stop yeah. and just get get out of your own way. That's the whole, that's been the whole problem. Just get out of your own way. Because you know we love video? trading for players we never use. Why, you know, let's trade for a player and not start him. And I mean, it's just like Foreman. Where <laughs> the hell has he been? Oh, I love this turn to a Panthers podcast. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, guys. you're good. <laughs> you're good. That's what I was going to say. You know, the videos where people look it. like they're about to fall down and like and smash like their ass on something. And then all of a sudden they get real lucky and they're like, oh, oh almost. That's the Carolina <laughs> Panthers right now. There you go. There you go. And I mean, you know, and, and hey, it's like I, I can be some, one of the biggest naysayers. It's, it's like whenever I have, when I have somebody talking about Carolina, they're like, oh, I said, hold on. 
I promise you cannot critique any worse that I have, and it's my own team. So, I mean, anytime, prove me wrong. Go right ahead because I'm like, you know, at the beginning of the season, you feel like you're just beating your head against the wall. You're like, nothing's going to change. And now there's something changing. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just get that four-letter word, hope. That's what always gets us. Yeah, or the S, the one-letter S works too. <laughs> Look, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, being a part of that team, the C3 Panthers podcast, uh, on Sundays, that show is full of motion. That show is immediately <laughs> after the game ends, okay? Tuesday is logic. Yeah. Sunday so is emotion. You get to kind of calm down a little bit so you can that, that, like, that's talk right. about <laughs> And I will, I, I will say while we're talking C3 Panthers podcast, uh, I am putting out a uh, you know promotion to everybody out there on the November 10th, the Atlanta game. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina, Thursday night, Vintage Sofa Bar, downtown Winston-Salem on Trade Street. There's, already, I've already got a great response. There's going to be a lot of people there, I think. Uh, a C3 Panthers get-together. I'm going to call it the C336 party. So uh, anybody in the 336 area that wants to travel, come check it out. November 10th, the Thursday night game, Vintage Sofa Bar, downtown Winston-Salem. It's going to be fun. Dude, I would say be there, but damn it, I have like appointments. I gotta be in Greenville that night. That night, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Busy time. Busy time. Well, y'all want to go ahead and get in some shows? Do it. Okay. I guess we can go ahead and start with lower decks. We had the finale of that this week. We'll uh, talk that one before Cody gets on here. <laughs> Look, I had every show I watched this week was amazing. <laughs> Like every show, I, I could not believe. And honestly, I think the finale of Lower Decks was the best finale I've seen of a show in a long time. Ooh. Like there was there was two finales last week. There was finale of House of the Dragon this week, which is great. But I think the finale of Lower Decks was the best one I've seen. Like it, it was, was absolutely Star amazing. Trek. It was yeah. very Star Trek. <laughs> it was the last one I watched. And I know that whenever we were talking before, like Sarah had put in the chat, like, Lower Decks finale, like thumbs up. And I was like, cool, I can't wait to watch it. And then when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, this was really, really good. So Sarah, get us going. You're my Star Trek girl. What's up? Oh, This one now, you know, because we always talk about with, with Lower Decks, it's not really a storyline. Mm -hmm. This this season actually followed a storyline. There was yes. there was the storyline. Yes. So you had um, Captain Freeman, you know, with her, like the end of last, last season. And then, you know, coming into this one, and it was just always you know, of course, everything is around, you know, Freeman and the Cerritos and whatnot, but um, this one was just really, really cool because like with the Texas class ship, it was, it reminded me a lot of, I'm probably going to kick myself because right now it's, it was the third Kelvin movie to where you had that, um, that prototype ship that came in. Second one. That was, was the, it the second the one. Yeah, that was the one with Khan. Yeah, Into yeah. Darkness. Mm -hmm. Because you had that prototype ship that's supposed to be like, you know, this, you know, dreadnought type thing where it's like, you know, the best or whatever. But the cool, it, so th that kind of reminded me a little bit because it's supposed to be like better than what you already had. Because, right. you know, you had the California class. They're like these little itty bitty ships. And it's like, they're just so like, it's like a Toyota versus a, you know, a whatever. And um, so... You know, you're looking at, I, I see it on, on this level. And then, of course, you know, you've got Mariner, she's gone. So you're thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, well, how is Mariner going to come back into this? Because this is right. going to be kind of cool. And that was a, that was a kind of cool storyline, too. Okay. Um, because she tried to make it sound more shady than it actually was. 
and the name dropping in this episode. There were a lot of little Easter eggs in this episode that I was just loving, loving. Um, but I'm just trying to think. There was there was just like so much. I'm trying to just get my thoughts together. <laughs> just it was it was just so fun where you just have like like I said with the with the um freemanship and she's trying to prove herself to show that she's not you know her her ship is not a laughing stock you know we're good you know we I've got a good running ship you know we're trying to do this this and that but it was just the mission was just hilarious and then bringing in Rutherford finding out he was a key part of all of that that mm -hmm. kind of threw me off too but then again when Rutherford was looking at the code he's like I recognize this. I'm like, this is gonna be some. This is gonna be like yes. some data Jordy type shit going on right here. Yeah. Something's about to happen here. This is gonna be really cool. So I felt like they tied up a lot of loose ends because of the episodes that you've watched throughout the season. They tied it up in a nice, neat little bow. Yeah. I mean, it but gave they, resolution. Yeah, they were able to take like one or two bits and pieces from each of those episodes yeah. to give you one good finale and. Like you said, it was pretty cohesive. I think they've done a better job telling stories than most animated shows do. Mm -hmm. uh, even like the last couple seasons, you know, the first one was real choppy. The second one definitely pieced together a little bit more of the pack led story and everything else. Mm -hmm. But this season, you're right, told much more of like a beginning to end tale. Um, I love the fact that they pitted California and Texas against each other because <laughs> it, it was so you yeah. know funny and real. And so yeah. the I mean, Lord, I mean, the amount of California class ships, they just basically went through every single city in California. It was just like, da, 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 da. And I'm like, wow. Uh, but man, that Admiral, he, it, the Admiral being the villain and the way that they told his little itty bitty story on an animated platform was really well done. Mm -hmm. I love, like you said, with, with Rutherford. I thought the side plot of Boimler and Shaxx was funny as hell. Uh, like I said, I love that Shaxx pays off death. too. Cause, cause hasn't yes. he said that a number of times in the series, like about yes. ejecting the warp core as, as yep. the solution. So yep. like he finally gets that payoff. Like th this episode paid off so many things. Sorry to interrupt. Good. No, you're yeah, right. I mean, you're right. That's, that's it. I mean, that was, you know, the, the goal of all of this and it was so well, so well done. Just seeing all of it come together like that. I, just Mariner, Indiana Jonesing it throughout, mm -hmm. you know, across the universe, you know, and the fact that she doesn't know, you know, like it, it's a big thing for her to figure out who's funding all of these missions. And then, you know, that, like you said, that payoff, that name drop was spectacular. Mm -hmm. The fact that you would have someone as big and bold as Picard trying to continue like the search of like the preservation of like all these different species and everything else they, that they bring into it. But then I think like my favorite line from the episode, uh, there's so many good ones, but the one that stuck with me the most was a ship can't have daddy issues when they were talking about badgie and like how they can't do badgie 2.0 with, you know, with the code because, you know, it's emotionally irrelevant or whatever they put the problem is. And I'm like, the soon as I heard Tindy say that, I'm like, that's uh, this is gold. I mean, like it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. The episode was fantastic. I loved yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it actually kept me kind of on the edge of my seat as to what was going to happen. And that, that's what I love about things like this. Like, I'm sitting here watching this animated episode, and, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I watched uh, Tales of the Jedi before that, which 
this is a great episode, but holy crap, we're, <laughs> we're about to get there in a minute. Um, like I was like, man, why is all this animated stuff getting me so amped up? Like I, I couldn't believe it, man. And and honestly, like I had to think about it. I listen to audiobooks and I get amped up. Like I got emotional in an audiobook earlier today. Like that that that's how that's how tied into this fantasy I can get, I guess. So animation is no problem. You know, like like especially being drawn like this, I cannot wait to see this live action. Yeah. Like I mean it's it's gonna be so fun to see these characters live action and I can't wait to see what they do with them. I think that us talking about it, especially me, the way that I have, is gonna be it's maybe a little bit lackluster compared to like what's actually gonna happen, but no, I can't wait for it either. It was dude just the 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 show is so funny and the fact that it's animated means they can get away with the stuff they get away with. So Yeah. I love it. What's well, the I just want to say my, one of my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about it. it. Just makes me laugh. Like towards the end when they had you know the resolution and everything, so you had everybody from all the the ships that were in there, and whatnot. And the one scene where you had Ransom showing everyone how to sit in a seat had me yes. absolutely yes. rolling. Even oh, Ryan knows that one. <laughs> Command that chair. That's what yes. he said. That's who is Ransom? Jerry O'Connell. Yes. Yeah. That his voice? Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's so that was an absolute call out to Riker. And I yep. just, I mean, I don't know how many like memes and gifts and everything you see, but that was just, that's just those little Easter eggs that I'm just like, yeah. oh, I just hold on to. <laughs> like you walk up to that chair, you swing your leg over that chair, you command <laughs> that chair. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, question I have about this when do we get the next season? Has it been announced? And uh, how long before we see these characters live action? We've got it announced it's going to happen, but I don't know when. I would say that you see a season pretty soon. I don't think that they, I mean, I, all the stuff is made. So it's pretty successful, too. I, I think would say, that I mean, you would probably catch this on the back end of Strange New World season two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which. I mean, it would they make sense because that's where they're supposed to, to kind of do their. Yeah. Star Trek didn't have a lot of gaps in production of things they do. Like they always have something new coming out. Well, I mean, they got, got lucky. Strange, yeah, you got Strange got lucky, Worlds, but, you got Discovery, yeah. you got Picard coming out. I mean, it's. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. I I love Lower Decks. This is a this is a really cool little funny animated series to watch that actually, you know, we've, we've talked about how it's like serial episodes where you don't have to watch anything at all or like don't have to watch anything before that. But I think that if you've watched this entire season, it completely paid off. In yeah, this that's, that's the word, you know, paid not even this season. Like it, it paid off like the, the last things from the last few seasons. Like I said, uh, what's his name? Um, the Lieutenant, uh, that Checks. had the thing with boiler. Yeah. Had checks that had thing with boiler, boilermer, or boiler, boimler, boimler. <laughs> yeah, he, um, like that, that's been going on for a while, you know, and that they, they highlighted it with boimler being putting his foot in his mouth in this episode. Mm, well, that was a pretty good impression, though. I will give him that. Yeah. Oh, I agree, <laughs> I agree, it was. Um, but but it was cool how they, they, they just paid off everything in this finale, and and as I'm watching it, those payoffs are amazing. Me kind of being on the edge of my seat, like, well, what the hell happens next? It was kind of amazing. It being animated, of course, was not as uh, dramatic or thrilling as if I'd have seen something live action. 
I would say. Like, I'd be like really on the edge of my seat live action, but it was cool. Like, it, it was, it was as good of a finale as I could have gotten for season for for this uh, series. So. Yeah. Well, anytime you see a Federation ship getting fired on and getting like tore up, you're just like, oh, I don't care if it's live action or animated or not. You're like, what's about to happen? <laughs> they can take some punishment. Yeah. They really can. Not only that, they don't ever talk about death a whole lot in Star Trek. So no. When you start worrying about a lot the, of people died. Yeah. All these decks. You know, what I loved about the, the Kelvin timeline movies was, you know, especially seeing the impact of getting shot and then people going into the, the silent dead stillness of space. I I mean, those scenes were fucking awesome. Uh I just remember one very, very vividly, like where they get shot with torpedoes by the, the ship and the, the woman's like trying to hang on, but she gets sucked right out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all that visually speaking is it's so good because you don't get it in Star Trek very often. Right. They just talk about, you know, decks such and such, you know, we facing casualties and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But, you know, it's never highlighted and centered on. So yeah. there's so much you want to talk about a universe they could expand. Just this. I mean, yeah. they always lower decks is phenomenal because they tell a story from the very bottom. But everything else is always told from the very top. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see the the mix and the mash of it all. Agreed. Uh, y'all got anything else you want to say about Lower Decks? Can't uh, wait can't for wait next, next season. season. <laughs> next season's going to be good. Well, let's go ahead and travel to a galaxy far, far away. A long, long time ago. <laughs> said it backwards, but it still sounds good. Uh, what did you about- think about these before you even start? What did you think the Tales of the Jedi was going to be? And did you think that you were going to like it the way that I'm assuming the two of you have fallen in love with it pretty quickly <laughs> sarah i'll let you go first oh well i mean it's i was i don't think i really had any you know preconceptions about it i was just like because there's there's been a lot of star wars stuff that i've seen where just let's just let it unfold i mean you know i, I, I kind of learned my lesson about what i expect i really don't have any expectations now i can say i have not read the ahsoka book even though I do have it and it is on my list and it would probably take me about two hours to finish it because it's not very as dense as the other Star Trek on Star Wars books. So, um, so, I mean, I can't really, there's been a little topic of discussion on that, but for the most part, it was nice having like these little tidbits because, you know, I've told you guys countless times, give me the, the, the meat in between. You know, mm-hmm. give give me some more context, and yeah. I I felt like it gave me more context. Now I will say one episode reminded me of something we've already seen before, but but I'll I'll, I'll save that for then. But okay. I mean, I just I just didn't really have any expectations. I really didn't. Yeah. I mean, it was I just kind of went in and just watching it and just kind of let it unfold. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go in with any expectations either. Uh, I knew that there were going to be three Ahsoka episodes and three Dooku episodes, two of my favorite characters in this entire universe. I did not know that it was going to be young Dooku, like really young. So what I got from this was phenomenal. I absolutely loved this little six-part series. It was phenomenal. It was everything I needed. It's all the little bit of stuff. I can say episode one, while entertaining, I could have done without that one and been just fine. But I love they did 
episode one with Ahsoka, then the next three with Dooku, then the last two with Ahsoka. Because I was completely into this Dooku story, and that right there is the reason why I cannot be a Jedi and why I believe the Jedi are not right. <laughs> Dooku is exactly the reason. That guy right there is me. That's what I'm thinking when I'm in that situation. You know, that guy, he is easily top five for me, you know, uh, as, as far as characters go. Like, he's got one of the best lightsabers ever, and it was cool to see it blue this time. But I love, love, love the way they portray this character. I love the little bit of storyline we got between here. And you're right. The cartilage between the ribs is what, what I need. You know, like, I love Star Wars so much and this universe so much. And Cody's going to come on in a minute and talk about the Game of Thrones universe. <laughs> and the Game of Thrones universe is kind of the same way, man. It's so detailed and so intricate. You can dive into it and never, never get bored. And I, yeah. I needed this stuff right here. I absolutely loved it. For me, it was a home run, and I got way more than I expected. Ross? Uh, mine is simple. This is exactly what I was thinking it was going to be, and I am very happy that it was because it worked out very well. Uh, we can run through the episodes real fast and just touch on you know their, their best points briefly if you want to or however you want to handle it. I mean, we can just kind of summarize it. I mean, it's six quick episodes. I think uh, if you watch it, if you skip the intros and the credits at the end, yeah, you can probably watch short. them all in an hour. Yeah, y'all do that. I got to get my headset charger. Anyway, so <laughs> you, cool. yeah. you could probably watch them all in an hour, to be honest with you. Um, the first one, I thought it, it had, it was called Life and Death. And it had right. uh, what I thought was almost um, the first episode of... What was the short series they did with all the animation? The, um, oh, mm, where it was all different stories. Yeah, I'll remember it in a second. Visions, but right? Visions, yeah Star, yeah, Star Wars Visions. And so this one was very much, it had that Japanese, um, almost like concreteness to it. Uh, the way they told a story, it had a roided out saber-toothed tiger, which was badass. You want to talk about a pet? I mean, good gracious. Put one of those suckers in a cage. But Ooh. it was cool seeing Ahsoka's family, seeing where she came yeah, from. It was. So, I mean, I think that was another thing that was kind of cool about it, too. I mean, you got little baby Ahsoka. <laughs> but it was also a little heartbreaking because you get, you know, you know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. you know that, you know, to get ripped away like that is, mm -hmm. you know, essentially. Well, I'm but not going to lie. But that's mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, when you do see, like, the, you know, the younglings, you, you know, you don't really think about where they come from. Yeah. You, know, where they, you know, their families, what they were, you know, taken from and that kind of thing. You might, you know, it's, it's kind of like what Obi-Wan, he kind of touched on a little bit. He's like, I, I don't really remember. I mean, a lot of, that's the way a lot of them were. That's why Anakin was a lot different. Luke was a lot different because, I mean, you kind of started to wear, because they were like itty bitties by, when they were taken. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting. I agree with Jay Stubbs. He says, let Dave, I'm assuming Filoni, on Star Wars. And I think they're kind of doing that because you're right. Anything he touches is amazing. Well, so um, his character. I mean, that's, yeah. that's his, that's his pride. He and knows the universe. In development when he was, I think this show was the one that was in development when he was put in charge of uh, uh, the animation department. Yeah. And so, like, when he took over everything from animation, I do believe this was on their list of things that they were putting together. And, you know, he, he stepped in with, uh, Favreau to, to learn more about like live action and like what it takes and you know how mm -hmm. they he talked about how it gave him such a better insight on how to like direct animation I he, look this right here was done in such a Clone War animation style 
to hold true to that actual look. Not only that, but it was done in a way that was better because I mean, if you look at all the texturing and everything else that they put in, all, like there's just this one episode right off the bat. I was stunned by how all of that had evolved so fast, you know, over the years we had clone wars it was simple that took on, you know, 3d animation to a next level. Now we have this, but talk about all the story that was put into all this fan. Like the story is what made it. Oh, hundred percent. You know, man. I mean, I know 100%. that it followed up on everything that he did, but it just goes to show. I don't, I don't know enough about the background characters to really know, not in background characters, but the background crew to know who had a, a larger hand in actually creating this. So whoever it is, good on all of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny because, like I said, the, the first episode is about Ahsoka, the next three are about Dooku, then the last two are about Ahsoka, which is an interesting way to split it up. Um, but I kind of like the way they did that because once I started get, to get into that, Dooku's story, I kind of wanted to see a finale to it and like how yeah. it's going. You see the transition of him the whole time. Um, and the first Ahsoka story was slightly different than everything else. Like it seemed irrelevant. Not that it was bad, but it seemed irrelevant to everything else that was going on. All the other stories are based on history, what happened in this universe, political, you know, parties engaging in different actions that cause different things. And the Ahsoka, the first Ahsoka story, while good was just about her being a baby and, and learning about life and death. And I'm not going to lie. I, I thought that whenever like I was watching it and I saw the, the badass tiger you're talking about come up and I was like, this episode is labeled life and death. Mm-hmm. And she's teaching her daughter about life and death at the beginning of like, before they go hunting, I was like, she's about to die. You know, I thought, I thought for sure her mom was about to die. I was like, yeah. Holy shit, they're going to do this in star Wars. <laughs> um, but they didn't spoilers. They didn't. Uh, so it kind of took away from that a little bit. Um, so the first episode was really good, but after that, man, I'm telling the you, the second dude. one jumped right into to, to <laughs> politics. It jumped right into Dooku. And look, I knew Dooku had yeah. a backstory that I would find interesting. I knew that, you know, the way that, um, when you, when you draw the dots on the map to connect, you know, Yoda to Dooku to Qui-Gon to, to mm-hmm. Obi-Wan to Anakin, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's fairly seamless, but when you get to actually see, the mindset not only that but you get to see why qui-gon is who he is because of it i think that that was even better because i love qui-gon i i thought qui-gon was a 100 percent underused character in all of the star wars story and lore he got to die at the end of the first movie and it sucked so bringing him and uh dooku onto this journey and I'm, i mean first off the ship was pretty cool I'm more of a horizontal ship person, but I guess for a vertical ship, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminded me of uh, the science ship that uh, Spock was in in the Kelvin mm-hmm. timeline. So mm-hmm. that's what I went back to. But I mean, this this episode is, I, I hate to use the word, but I don't know a better one to really describe it. It was very political. I mean, like it, it really played on the every aspect of, you know, you got a senator of, of a planet who got way too hungry and way too, uh, distant from like the people that he was actually trying to take care of. And then, you know, he overstepped the people were dying. He wasn't treating his constituents worth a damn. And he, he fucked around and he got to find out, you know, they mm-hmm. took his son. <laughs> and so not only that, but you get to see Dooku force choke for the very first time. Cause he's about to lose his shit because who can agree with that behavior? I don't know. Oh yeah. Look, man, 
like I said, you, you see Dooku at this point, like you see the transition, like you see the transition just like you do with Anakin in the live action movies. Like and so that see, was very similar. That's why I was saying that something it, was, it, it was, was very similar, it was. but it was just the, the mindsets were a lot different. That's why I think it kind of went the, the two separate ways. Look, Cody, I thought about it, man. And I know you say you're not a Star Wars guy. But I think it's because you probably saw the old Star Wars movies where they use potatoes as asteroids and like have puppets. <laughs> well, like, like if you can get out of that and just get into the lore, I think yeah. you would absolutely love this universe and not the Skywalker universe because the Skywalker universe is great. But I mean, everything else that it involves, every other character, yeah. all the political aspects of this show, like this universe, like everything that's happened. <laughs> like, I think you would completely dig. Like the Star Wars universe. I really do if you dove into it. But there is so much to dive into. There's not really a starting point. No. Yeah, where do you start? There's not really a starting point. Do you want to go chronologically? Do you want to start where the movie started? Like, what do you want to do? There's not really a good starting point. So, um, but but anyway, uh, I, I digress a little bit. Uh, like, the way they portrayed Dooku, like, first of all, it was really cool. I think Dooku has the baddest ass lightsaber besides maybe Ventress. The bad because I love that curved hilt uh, of, of anybody. My son would you know, agree and, with you. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> he it loves looks, it. It's so I like elegant. it too. It's always it's elegant. Yes, <laughs> but to see it blue mm -hmm. in this episode was awesome. I was like, holy shit, that's his lightsaber. That means he had to have changed the crystal or built a new one, right? I'm like, there's no other way to change the color. But. uh just I love the Dooku episodes. I love seeing the transition of him. And like I said, Dooku is not wrong. Yeah. Like he I said, maybe the method noble. He sounded very noble in yes. his belief. Like it it made sense. Yes, it, it made a hundred percent sense. Exactly what he's saying is right. But there is no good way to go about mm -hmm. the way to, to bring it to justice or to, to do it. Like I mean, without looking evil or, or or you know, committing evil crimes. Well like, it's true to the not wrong. Holds true the mindset that they were uh, that the Jedi were too full of themselves. You know that they they didn't look into things as much as they should have, and you mm -hmm. know they basically just thought that there was nothing that could get around them, and they were wrong. They served the rich. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So so when you jump to was episode three was choice choices. Um, they had to go track down the killer of. Or I'll remember her name in a second. I remember this episode, the senator in the episode. It reminded me of the guy uh, who voiced the Jace character in Arcane. Because mm -hmm. every time he kept on talking, I'm like, oh, man, it sounds just like him. It's just, just like it him. Like, but it started with an ale. It was um, the one that they were trying to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're talking about the, the, the senator. Oh, the senator. Yeah, I can't remember the senator's name. I know the cat catchery was the, the Jedi they were trying to figure out. So... I believe it's Katri. Uh, she's like, um, she looked very similar to um, Unduli. Yeah. Like with the whole. She know. was a Jedi master. Not even that. She was a fucking, she was a council seat. And so the whole, right off the bat, it's Mace Windu and Dooku. And I mean, it is the unbuddiest cop, you know, investigation of what you're going to get yeah. right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so the two of them, Dooku's the aggressive one, which is funny, you know? Uh, you had the same kind of story. It was, you know, another political uprising. It was people who weren't happy with the way that things were happening. And, you know, they ended up killing a Jedi. And so that was just another 
domino in, I guess, Dooku's change. You know, I don't want to call it his downfall because it, it I mean, yes, eventually it did turn into his downfall, but man, like he, this episode was the least of the important Dooku episodes for me because the next one jumped right into the Sith Lord episode. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about parallels with Anakin? Mm-hmm. This one had it shot for shot. Yes. When it started, are you also again, talking about Andor? No, no, no we're, we're not talking about Tales of the Jedi. Oh, okay, my bad. There's a little six-part series that came out on, uh, <laughs> okay, on, okay, on Disney okay. Plus. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it started with the Jedi archives, and it started with that one little bit of information that you know we all knew, but we didn't know how it happened. And he went in, and you know, boop, bye bye Camino. Not only did he take it out. But you saw the, the. He didn't. He used Sifo-Dyas his name. Mm-hmm. He. Just the whole plan, because you know that he didn't feel happy going in with it, because you knew it wasn't his. It was definitely Palpatine's or Sidious, and so. You actually got, the pickup of this episode right at the end of Phantom Menace, where Qui Gon died. So, mm-hmm. the. Archive stuff was deleted 10 years before episode two. Because all this right here picks up right at the end of Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. Right. You know, uh, someone else pointed out, wasn't reading fast enough, but talking about Yaddle. You know who voiced Yaddle? No. Oh, yeah, that was Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But that was cool. Like, look, Star Wars has a great, a great job of weaving webs together and like tying up loose ends where somebody can ask a question. And it's like, well, you can find the answer to that if you just dig deep enough. Yeah. There are certain holes though. They have filled that for me weren't even a big deal. It was like, Oh, I wonder how that happened. But if I never find out, it's no big deal. And we got kind of some of that stuff here. Like you said, with this using the cipher Diaz, deleting the Camino stuff, like, uh, you know, everything in this, in these episodes of Dooku was like, Oh, the Yaddle. Like you find out the fate of Yaddle, what happens? Like, like it's just all this stuff. It's like, okay, I love how they're tying this up because for years I've wondered these things, but never been like wondering to the point where, (laughs) well, I'm not going to pay attention or it's bad enough. I'm not going to watch, you know, but it's like now it's just extra stuff. Like I said, it's cartilage between the, between the ribs. Like it's fantastic little news that you don't need to see. And the, 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 the finale there, because like between episodes, two and three with the um with dooku there's a big time jump and you do see in one he's you know qui-gon's his apprentice and in the next one qui-gon's dead mm-hmm. like so there's one where him and mace windu are not even on the council mm-hmm. yet and by the next one yeah I was, I you know that like it's already qui-gon's dead and qui-gon was on the council or no, excuse me. He got offered a Mace. position on the council and refused. Oh yeah, refused. Mace was on the council. Yeah, but but so like it's it's like wow. So they they take liberties and, and take time jumps in these episodes, but it's all key points in this character's development that you need to see, you know. And it's funny because you know we're gonna talk time jumps here in a little while too with House <laughs> of the Dragon. But um, but yeah, like, like I love the way they fleshed out um, uh, Dooku in this, and like I know Nathan loves Clone Wars. And I know Nathan loves Dooku. So like as soon as I as soon as I finished like the third episode, I texted him. I was like, dude, have you watched this yet? And he said, I watched the first episode. I said, Okay, please watch the oh. next few. Please, because the first episode's good, but the next few are completely different. Oh yeah. The first one, you know? And I said, please the whole, the watch the whole Qui-Gon thing. Yes. Or not Qui-Gon, but the whole uh, Dooku uh, arc was just phenomenal. You know, I mean uh, 
I, I, I skipped that on the last one uh, when Mace actually got onto the council. We figure out how we got onto the council. Not mm-hmm. only that, but at that funeral, I mean, you got, I, you, you got Kiati Mundi coming out in a you know in a full on hood, which it, it's funny seeing a hood that actually covers that <laughs> enormous head of his, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, they did callbacks. You had Terrace Noob. It looked like Plo Koon was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had all these characters that they had not everything else right there. To turn around, jump even further because you know now I don't remember what the time jump was between those two episodes, but you know you have uh, the council getting ready to go to Naboo when Qui Gon staring at the tree, talk about how much or not Qui Gon when Dooku staring at the tree, talking about how much Qui Gon used to actually enjoy it because Qui Gon was born on Coruscant. I'm not sure that I actually had that in my trivia mind. I know a ton of stuff about Star Wars, but I'm not sure that I actually knew that he was born yeah. on Coruscant. Yeah. Um, that's why I say you had the shot for shot scene after that, whenever he got in his little um, Jedi cruiser or whatever that was going to take him over to the uh, the back area where he landed at the end of episode two and the whatever you want to call that area where he meets up with uh, Sidious and then Yaddo follows him. You get that fight. You actually get, you know, Dooku doesn't only fight Yoda. He fights Yaddle too. But that, that, how weird is that? How weird is it to have one character that fights both of, you know, an unnamed species in Star Wars that we still don't to this day know what they're actually called. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it was really cool seeing Yaddle being extremely powerful. Um, I think that the that was the other part of the scene. The fight scene reminded me very much of Return of the Jedi. It was almost, it mirrored the Vader and Luke Skywalker fight at the end of Return of the Jedi. And it was done with Dooku and Yaddle. And I thought that was really cool in itself too. Well, I guess, yeah, you mean like the Emperor watching type thing? Not just watching, but the the way that, um, you know, Yaddle was ready to give in, not give in, but kind of let Dooku make a decision that uh, he probably didn't really want to make. Mm-hmm. You know, where Vader doesn't want to make the decision for his son at the end of Return of the Jedi. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of different parts that were in play with that for me. So, okay. But yeah, I I loved what they did with the Dooku stuff in this, and it was exactly what I needed, man. You could have given me that without the Ahsoka stuff, and I would have been just fine. However, (laughs) we got the Ahsoka stuff too, which was also Mm -hmm. amazing. Like I said, episode one was slightly different than the rest. Episode one is, you know, her as between what zero and one year old. And then the final two episodes are like crisis points, you know, an older 66 and like right in that time period, you know, her, her becoming Ahsoka. And it's just funny that at the end of the first episode, like, and this was the only thing that got me with the first episode. They're like, she's a Jedi. And I'm like, well, first of all, you wouldn't know that. Second of all, she was never a Jedi. In fact, her big tagline is. I am no Jedi, right? No Jedi. Yeah. So, like, she was never a Jedi, and I get that. You know, it's that's just me being picky and being funny, but, um, but it's true. I mean, it is about her morals, how much she actually falls in line with Qui Gon and Dooku. I've always said that, you know, she was two masters too short, and you know, she would have been the perfect student for Qui Gon. Yeah, I think this episode practice makes perfect. The fifth episode was, I think, four and five are about my favorite episodes. And I think five was really good because it you see the asshole that Anakin was to her. And as mm-hmm. much as you saw that in the Clone Wars here and there, um, the first line that you get from Anakin talking to Ahsoka is, I, you know, 
he's just like you think that's a test like <laughs> i'll show you a test, you <laughs> a test yeah. you're like what like who's going to be like that uh you know they they're up against new battle remotes that you know are more prone to shoot like the actual uh uh droids which first time we've seen something like that but the stun circle like with <laughs> with anakin's crew coming up and just shooting her like crazy and watching her just yeah. take hit after hit and you're seeing the development and you're seeing it very slow it's very karate kiddish it's very uh you know like you got to keep going and you know push through the pain mm-hmm. but man you cannot put a value on that last scene that last scene where she shows up in what ended up being Clone Wars season seven at that door mm-hmm. and you got Rex behind her. And I mean, like I, I when that happened, I was like, Oh yeah. My, like my heart just sank. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Because it was true. It was all of that shit that Anakin put her through and it ended up being the thing that saved her life. Yep. They have such a great toy box to play with in star wars and they've done such a good job in the last few years of tying things together and making things make sense it's perfect it's why hands down look i'm getting into game of the game of thrones universe right now and i am thoroughly enjoying it it is absolutely amazing (laughs) but i'm sorry (laughs) nothing i don't think will ever hold a candle to star wars i just don't think it will man that universe i could be look i have like 35 audiobooks, like 32 of them are Star Wars books. Like something like that. It's very close. Like it's it's amazing. Like, and I don't even have, I haven't even scratched the surface on Star Wars books. Like it's, it's not even funny. Like there's so many, it's crazy. And the universe just works so well together. This series did it for me. This series was something I didn't know I needed, but I needed. And once I got it, Holy shit. I'm so glad they did this. Like I Six love episodes. this series. Yes. I think the, it was 10 to 17 minutes. I mean, you it's about your best bang for your buck. Yeah. I mean, this is was phenomenal. The last episode Resolve did um the connection to I don't know where you are in Rebels. Do you I'm know Ahsoka's three. role in Rebels? I've seen Ahsoka a number of times in Rebels. It seems like she's almost like the Okay, but if you've seen her in Rebels, then I mean then you should know enough. Like this this episode was that connecting point, right? It was the um number one, she was at Padme's funeral. Holy fuck. Like mm-hmm. like you know, they're just gonna drop her in the background, which now I almost wanted to be like, I'm gonna go watch that scene. Yeah. Fast see if she's back. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty um, cool. yeah. But uh the conversation you know you see how sly organa is with the way that he's talking um when he's talking to the actual stormtroopers and you know he's actually mm-hmm. talking to her uh she bounces out you get to see her in a jumpsuit again which i don't know if this is pre or post on uh, that whole little little bit there i'm assuming that it is post season seven uh but you see her being out of the fight long enough to where she actually has to get back in it and this is what leads her to the position that she ends up in rebels so Perfect. Beautiful. Beautifully done. Connected tissue. Exactly. And that's what we get with Star Wars, and I absolutely love it, man. Uh, like I said, <laughs> if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't checked out uh, Tales of the Jedi yet, Disney did a really good job giving me something I didn't know I needed. 
but I absolutely effing love. This show was a laughing stock when they talked about it. Really? Uh, only because oh. no one knew nearly enough about it. And they were like, you're just going to do like really short episodes. And they're just like, no one wants that because everyone thought they were going to come out with some real BS quality stuff. And no. <laughs> yeah, that's no. This they, is they where we were. Perfectly. <laughs> this, this is exactly what I needed. Absolutely no filler. All the information I needed, bam, right there. And in the animation style I love with the Clone yep. Wars animation style. So it was perfect. But um, once again, Switch gears. I, yeah, I highly recommend it. If you're a Star Wars fan, check out Tales of the Jedi. Take about an hour of your day. You can watch all of them. No problem. But let's switch gears. We got our homeboy, Cody Lack. He's been waiting in the background. Cody, I appreciate you being patient and waiting, man. But, man, you and I have been talking for the last few days nonstop <laughs> yeah. about some House of the Dragon because I have been pounding through this book. Um, well, audio. been pounding through this audio book. And today, I just finished what would be season one of House of the Dragon. So now, everything I'm reading from here is completely new. Um, there's nothing... Like, it's, I guess, what next season is going to go into. I'm going to spoil next season for myself. But, man... Yeah. This book has opened up this show for me tremendously. Cody, what's up? Let's talk about some House of the Dragon. I'm sorry, I should have introduced you first. No, dude, it's no problem. I feel like I got my ass whipped on the Friday free for all, dude. Oh my Everybody gosh. Was screaming it was dude, fucking G Baby and Pickle crazy. were going ham. <laughs> you know? Dude, they really were. And I, uh, so, yeah, I needed a break for a second to collect myself. But um, no, so. Uh, a few things, man, like you rediscovering or discovering for the first time, rather, the Song of Ice and Fire universe um, has made me go back. And now I'm rereading the original series. Uh, I'm on book two and I'm all the way back into it and I'm loving it again, man. And um, I just uh, I I'll be able to show it to you on the postgame show. Uh, they just put out this Rise of the Dragon art book uh, that you can get on Amazon. Dude, it is gorgeous it has some of the best fantasy illustrators in the world and they literally went through the fire and blood book and they illustrated all the most badass and best scenes from each chapter and each part and it's a big coffee table book so i'm pumped uh and uh yeah now that you've read the book i'm into or the so you you said to me in the chat earlier or in our dm that uh it's crazy that the first season was just this one tiny chapter in the book. Like it wasn't <laughs> right. even that much. <laughs> right. So my, my, my opening question to you, knowing that is do the time jumps now that you've read that chapter and it takes place in different parts of their lives, do the time jumps make more sense to you now or are they more justified rather? 100%. Yes, they okay. completely make more sense. You know, th this, it's like I said, I've been reading this whole book and I've been trying to get to at least the end of what season one would be in the book before we got to the finale. Today was that day. Like, I got to listen to it today. And I was kind of surprised because I was like, okay, I'm going to have to listen to like five or six hours of this because it's going to be a couple chapters, even though a few of the chapters, like one of the chapters is like two and a half hours audio wise, which is a long chapter. Um, but I kind of couldn't believe it that when I got to chapter 13, like that was it. That was the entire yeah. season one minus episodes, uh, uh, 10 minus the last episode. Like it's all the way up to to episode nine, you know? So yeah. like minus that, that's the entire first season. 
And I was like, wow, I can't believe I've been listening to 16 hours of this book, which is 12 chapters up to this point, to get to this show. And now this entire first season is one chapter. However, yeah. it, it described everything in, in the season. Like, as I, from the beginning to the end, I was like, yeah. that was this episode. That was this episode. Yeah. That's how I did this. That's how I did this. And it was awesome yeah. because this chapter in particular in this book, like the whole book is read by one maester or one uh, author, narrator, who's, who's reading yeah. the, the, the scribes of the maesters, right? But this particular chapter, they say going into it, has a lot of different like viewpoints of what really happened, which I think right. is why they tackled this chapter to make the show out of, because you can take more liberties. And there's basically three storylines. There's the guy called Mushroom, there's the maester who's uh, telling, uh, one of the ones who's telling the story, and there's the narrator from who's kind of taking what everybody said. And so, like, when you go through this chapter, you see everything that happened in the show, but, like, what they did in the show and what they said in the book is not necessarily the same from this point of view. But this guy said this is what happened, and they did this in the show. So they take different parts of what everybody said happened, and they kind of put them, mixed them all together in the show, and it was fantastic the way it worked. They do a little bit of different time jumping, and there are some few, ch a few changes, um, like... You know, uh, what's his name? Um, who was Raina's first husband? First husband, the the one. Who, oh, Lenor. Lenor, like his death is a little different in the book, but it's yeah. basically the same kind of thing, like stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's really cool. Like how how especially in this chapter, like I can see they took this one because there's so many liberties you can take with them admitting we don't really know what happened. We have these three people who tell the story. And we kind of take a story out of that to tell you what we think happened and what we know the results are. And it's really cool they took that and did that in this book. Yeah, and it also, you know, the the show is, it's in a unique position where it can take these liberties that are different from the book. Because, you know, it's just like, it's supposed to be like real history, right? The, the, the victor writes the story, but oftentimes you're going back into history and there are sources that had their own bias and maybe they even lived a little bit later than the events that they were talking about. And you're kind of getting all of this information in this hazy kind of recanting. And to the, to that point. Um, so, okay. Did you, in the book, did you get to the fight between uh, Amund and Vagar? And no. uh Okay, so all right, you haven't gotten that, that's all right. the next chapter. I stopped, like I said, it's basically to the last episode of this episode of this first season is this chapter, right? But even that is it's yeah. not really a big spoiler, but even that is a little bit different. And you know, they, they, they're going to be able to continue to do this kind of stuff. Like in episode nine, remember when Kristen Cole took the uh, uh, master of coin, Lord Beesbury. And slammed his head down on the on the table, mm -hmm. right? But in, in the book, it's none different. of those yeah. none of those happen. But the mm -hmm. author tells you there are three different accounts of what happened right here. Mm -hmm. Mushroom says it threw Kristen uh, Cole threw his ass out the window. Septon Bart says he cut his neck open. Another one says they sent him to the black cell. And, you know, it's like all these different points of view. So if you're the writers of this show you can kind of take your own liberties with what they decide to do and how they decide to tell the story. And it's definitely going to be interesting um, going forward. But um, yeah, on this, on this episode, 
so that way we can get uh, Ross and Sarah in because I'm dying to yeah. hear what they thought of it too. Um, th- this episode to me showed uh, some poise by Rhaenyra that I didn't uh, necessarily a- anticipate, right? You know, there's that scene where she's around the table and everybody's beckoning her to war. And, you know, uh, Rhaenys uh, Ray- even says that to Corliss later on after he wakes up, he's like, you know, she's there and every knight in the realm around her is beckoning her to burn the kingdom alive in war. And she's actually trying to stop herself and like not jump to to that kind of violence, which is very different from Damon. Damon is ready to fuck shit oh, yeah. up like right away. He is not playing. Um, and uh, it was it, it was a great episode, man, from the front to the back. Um, yeah, y- y'all go first. I'll jump in whenever whenever I'm needed. <laughs> man. <laughs> well, I just want to speak on Renera because throughout this entire season, she has been just phenomenal, and especially when you had like the adult was like Emma Darcy. Oh my God, this lady! Uh, or yeah. that are fantastic. I mean, it's just. The, the scenes is the the emotion that's portrayed you know it's in you know in this episode there's so much loss and anger and just just a lot of shit that happens i mean you find out your father's you know your father's past you know you have this traumatic in essence miscarriage and then you have that you know that other you know i'm like how much more can she handle and how can she not want to burn it to the ground and I mean, mm-hmm. and then you have Damon, you know, of course, everybody else. That's the big thing about Damon that's been so interesting is because he's this character that you, you're supposed to hate, but you kind of understand where he's coming from. Because like, you, you know, I think it's what we talked about. What was it last week about, you know, the middle son syndrome, basically, yeah. you know, he's just like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be basically legitimate in front of everybody and not just, you know, this, whatever, but you know, that one particular scene, I get why, you know, I, I get why he was so angry. I get why he lashed out. I understand that. And, you know, that, and that's, it's because, especially when she looked at him and she's like, you didn't know. And dude, that just like, yeah. you know, it's just, it, a lot of it just makes, it's their characters make sense. And that's why a lot of times when I, you know, you hear people, you know, with their opinions, I'm like, how are you not putting this together? But then right. it's, it's, it's just been an absolute, just Jim watching this. I mean, just just the the level of emotion. But I think if even after all of the the birth scenes, after all of this, that very last moment when Renea Renea turns around, I'm like, oh, I'm scared now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent scared because yeah. that's a look you don't want to see, uh, especially a. A female mate coming because you know shit's about to go down. That's oh, not yeah. that's Damon like, look all crazy all he wants to, but that that was scary. And just if like we're recapping, she has so she just lost uh, her daughter. That's how it I was going to ask this question. Yeah. yeah, she she loses her daughter. She just lost her father. She lost her mother. Now she's lost her son. She lost her lover. And Harmon Strong is like loss mm-hmm. after loss mm-hmm. after loss. 
after Lost. And there's that point in the episode, you know, at the very end, we're kind of like jumping around here, but that does, you know, like Sarah says, when she turns around, that's when, oh, okay, all of that nice guy and wanting <laughs> to talk tomorrow and all of this stuff, nah, that's out the window. I got more dragons than y'all, and I'm willing to burn the realm because we are not going to be able to coexist in this world. Um, yeah, I, I thought that it was a great touch of just showing from the start of the episode where her character is at to the very end. And just in one look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Sarah says, in one look, you're able to see, oh, okay, things things are different now. This is, yeah. th- this is war, cold-blooded war by any means necessary. Yeah. Ross, I want to hear your thoughts before I go into any more points. I got a few points to bring up, but I want to hear your overall thoughts on this week's episode first. The episode was fantastic. I love the 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 yin and the yang of the two stories back to back. You know, uh, overall, everything told from the Game of Point Game of Thrones point of view and the House of Dragon point of view has always been absolutely fantastic. Um, they hit everything perfectly, and I don't think that. We're truly appreciating every bit of it until there's probably enough time that's gone by and you start to see so many more things that come out after it that aren't as good as it. I think the Game of Thrones has been that example. Uh, for me, it has been like the pinnacle of like dramatic storytelling in a way that I think anyone can get behind it. House of Dragon has continued to prove that. Uh, my question to everyone is like, how many it, before? Uh, before she lost her newest child, how many kids does Rhaenyra actually have? How many are we up to now? Five. Three Before with Damon. She... Well, no, three with Damon and two with Strong, correct? Strong. Okay. Oh, but no, two with Damon because that was going to be her third one. Oh, okay. It was going to be her third one. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Then so it died. So, okay. so five, but at the end of the episode. Five, one passed, and then, yeah, the other one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it, from beginning of the season to the, where we ended up with this episode, you know, uh, Rhaenyra didn't want to take her station as, you know, the, the princess and then turn queen. And now she is a mother of kids and she's, she's losing them. Like it, it, it's, I wish that we would have gotten words either on or off screen, similar uh, to how they did with uh, Viserys and episode eight um passed away yeah like at the very end i wish she would have said something just like i wish she just would have put it down on the table and just been like killed them all or you know like something so like just to get you like pumped you know like not that i wasn't already but i wanted something like to to put the dot on the exclamation point um to sarah's point damon is a he's he's such an odd character um stubbs is right i mean the second son's phrase has been with me since the beginning of this season um to to see that but there is something about damon to where i can totally relate when chaos is happening and you're the level-headed one in the room even though i don't think that his level head is it's probably level-headed for the time but you know it's a violent level head yeah. It is a violent level head, but I mean, like he he's right. I mean, because in this world, you know, your options are probably very limited and your options mm-hmm. are either, you know, you bend over or you kill someone bending over. So uh, you 
you don't have a whole lot to go off of. And I think that Damon is, he's the quiet type. He's the one that, you know, he's, he's plotting and thinking and always has something going on in his brain. And like, I, I can relate with that. And I love that that character has been such a, a force to reckon with in this show. And Renera is, has, has been doing more character building, but mm-hmm. you know, you're, you can't say anything different from her come the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the high towers look that there's a fight. I, I, I'm ready for season two. I, I don't know a better way to say that I am here until, you know, season 99 gets renewed. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. I thought this finale was slightly lackluster. To be truly honest with you, I really, really enjoyed the story, but I feel like, okay, so like episode nine was about like the greens and episode 10 was about the blacks, basically. Like it was just their two stories after Viserys has passed where they're at. I feel like you could have combined that into the penultimate and then given me the beginning of the, uh, the, the dance, the dragons, you know, like that's very much game of Thrones though. Yes, and, and and I get that. So like, and it's cool. It just sucks that I have to wait till twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four now <laughs> to get the payoff. So on it, even saying, though, even though I'm gonna now, read the book tomorrow, so I'm I'm gonna know what happens. Now but. it kind of seems like HBO really wants to push it into two thousand twenty three, but okay. I don't know. We'll see how 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 long it takes them to make it. They're getting ready to start filming. I'm not sure if they can. Yeah, I don't think so either, Ross. Uh, I just and. Uh, you know, with everything that goes into it, and now there's going to be that. new locations. So, uh, you know, uh, Ross uh, knows what I'm talking about, like, you know, how important the Starks are in Game of Thrones. Well, you're going to be getting a lot of them in this next season, too. Um, so it, it's going to kind of broaden up the world more and more as this war continues. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to make it into 2023. But they are trying. I just don't think they'll be able to do it. Right. If you get a chance to watch the behind-the-scenes stuff that comes with this, because oh, yeah. not not only not the, not the post-episode stuff, but now there's a whole 10-part like, behind-the-scenes. You know, It shows you a little bit <laughs> yeah. here, a little bit there, but it goes back into the... Uh, it's almost like when the Battle of the Bastards happened in Game of Thrones. It was... They, you know, they did like a whole mini-documentary on that whole entire scene being shot mm-hmm. and the mini series that HBO has now for this show it shows you man i mean like it, we watch a lot of stuff that has gone from like the, the the prequel of star wars to where everything was green and blue screen to something like this and this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum it's Yes, there are effects. Yes, there are things that come in and need, you know, post touch up and everything else. But it is such a massive production. They even said that they don't have like an A and a B team. They have a like uh, uh, whatever they call. Uh, they have two. They do a combination filming to where they have to push the actors around. So they are filming in multiple places, getting the the scene set up in, in one country and uh, everything built and all the permits pulled and everything perfect so that all the actors have to do or fly in, get in costume and do their parts. And then they fly out to another place to where the second set is doing the same exact thing in another location because they're trying to double team their actual production for this stuff. The yeah. amount that goes into this, it's 
ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And to, to kind of go on what you were saying, Ross, they didn't even know that this was going to be successful because you know, it, it, now it seems like a no-brainer, like, duh. Yeah. But yeah. At the way the way Game of Thrones ended, it left such a bad taste in people's mouth that there was no guarantee that this was going to be a smash hit. So now that it is, and they see how, how you know the the fan reaction to it, oh, they're gonna throw so much more money into this, and oh. we haven't even seen like half the number of dragons that are supposed to actually appear in this show. So oh. it, it's Greg, like I said, I envy you in a way because all the shit that's getting ready to happen, like, dude, I can't wait for you to message me just like hear what you're gonna say, dude. It's it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome. But, um, See, this oh, is what's going to get me because when they start taking out the dragons, that's going to get me. That's because, like, with this one, I'm like, Yeah. A lot of people you want to leave yeah. animals out of it. Just leave the animals out of it. Yeah. So that, that's like my, me. So. You sound like my mom. She's the same way. <laughs> Anytime animals get hurt, so, hey, whatever, let all the people die. But that's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That scene. Oh, Cody, it's so funny because, like, I'll be listening to the book and I, I know that like, I, I'm like, damn it. I'm going to know the shit out of Cody today. But like every no, time I hear something cool, like I, I remember texting like Viserys was just born. Renee was just born. Like, like, Oh cool. I know where I'm at in this show. Like cool. The sea snake yeah. was just born. Like I'm going through all this shit and I'm like, Holy shit. So-and-so did so-and-so. I can't believe that. And I'm like, I'm probably yeah. annoying the shit out of him, but I know that I'm no, around. Like, all, every time I get to a cool point, I stop, stop my truck. Put it in park. I'm like, oh, I got to text Cody about this. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's Dude. amazing. So I want to ask you before we dive into this episode, uh, yeah. like, because I thought about this today. If you could think of one house name in this entire series that besides Targaryen is, or Targaryen is the mm-hmm. most influential house to how this whole thing happens, what would you say it was? Oh, easy. House Star. Wait, wait, do you mean, do you mean in House of the Dragon? In house of the Dragon. Not not game. Oh, of I, was, um, I was questioning that. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess you have to say the high towers. Okay. I mean, just just by 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 default, just because you know everything that Pretty happens. Largest antagonist. Yeah, yeah, Otto and his, you know, and Allison and all the kids, you know, being high towers and you know just how connected the high towers are to old town and the faith. And the uh, the citadel where the maesters are like all of the power structures in this world are from the same place and ruled over by the same people, which okay. is the high towers. So okay. yeah, I would say them. I, I would say can I, I I believe the high towers probably are the right answer, but can I throw in there the strong household? The strong oh, yeah. name is pro- like j- just from reading the book because the strong name comes up a number of times in the book for a number of reasons and you're like holy shit okay 16 bastard children okay gotcha i see what's going on like i see what's going on here like and honestly if it wasn't for the strongs and and they're this this whole universe would be totally different i feel like that might be the most influential name in this universe like to, to what's like how the whole story unfolds because no matter what the main events are there's always a strong in the background. You know, yeah, something and, happened because of strong. Looking at some this. feet. So, so not, so not even that. Like the the uh, the bastard children for 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 Renea, 
Like, and even before that, like years before that, there was some shit with the Strongs that happened. That's like, holy shit, okay, I see what's going on here. Like, this is a big deal. Like, they're a big name that's not a big name, you know? Yeah. And um, I would even say the Valerians are up there, too. House Valerian. Yeah. Yeah, with how important they are. Um, Yeah, and, okay, so I don't know what you're going to read after Fire and Blood. You could definitely jump into the main series, which was never a bad idea. But they also have these novellas that George has written called Dunk and Egg. And I, I won't go too deep into it right now, but the main character of that uh, of that book is everyone theorizes that he is a descendant of one of those 16 bastards of how strong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and once you read about the character, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I see that. He's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to really make... Uh, makes sense to but um, man the strongs fucked everything up dude yeah. <laughs> they really did they fucked everything up they but. did uh so let's talk they, about this episode then yeah. um one point i wanted to bring up and i'm gonna bring this up and i'm sure you know everybody else will bring up a lot of other uh, you know scenes but i want to talk about the painted table I oh want, i was gonna I, say that nothing sold the show yeah, so i dope. want this painted table holy yeah, shit this man. thing is cool man Light what an up. awesome <laughs> idea and a great way to portray it too you know yeah like, i had no a, idea what they're doing when they're lighting all the candles you know then they put it under the table and the table lights up i'm like oh that is so amazing the nice thing time. was like, the science didn't work for me i'm like there's no way that thing would light up like that but when I did, I was like, I don't yeah. even care. That, <laughs> you can let that one go. Like, I, that so that should be my dinner table. Like, yeah. Above anything else. I want that. I want a replica of that. Yes. 100%. And I want to put a clapper on it. I don't even need a smart. I don't need smart LEDs or anything. I want to be like, boom. I just started rereading A Clash of Kings. I'm literally on the prologue. And Stannis Baratheon is sitting at that table in Dragonstone. Um but yeah, and you know the the significance of it. Of course, you have Rhaenyra and the prophecy that she's connected to with Viserys. You know that Viserys told her about, and Aegon the Conqueror had that table commissioned, this giant table that was a map of all of Westeros, because he had the goal of unifying the entire Seven Kingdoms under House Targaryen for this your thing that's to come right and that's another thing greg like in the books they don't really touch on the prophecy a bunch but the show really really does it does and they're really leaning into it and i think that's on purpose too because george R. r martin has come out and basically said that you know prophecy is at the center of many targaryens and there are dreamers and viserys was a dreamer um, now it's been heavily implied throughout the episodes that Helena, Allison's daughter, the creepy one, is also a dreamer and mm-hmm. having these prophetic dreams about stuff that's to come. You know, that's why I said the beast beneath the boards, the beast beneath the boards, you know. And in the book, there are predecessors that talk about spiders and rats, just like she did in the show. Yeah. The same kind of way. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay. Look, man, yeah. this is crazy because, like I said, this whole first season is this one chapter. And quite honestly, while the, the season was great and I love what they did the story, I kind of want to see this Jaharis story because like yeah. there's that that's a huge bolt. Like he was he was the king for like 65 years yeah. uh, of, of the reign of the greatest reign of this this household. Like th- that story is almost a little bit better just listening to it than the Viserys story. 
And I kind of want to see oh, that too. Sure. So, and they have so many liberties they can go with. If they made one season out of this one chapter, and I'm into chapter 12 now, I can only imagine yeah. what they could do with the rest of them. Because the chapter before this was like two and a half hours long. Like it was yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah. And he was the oldest living Targaryen king. And it was of him that all the prosperity of the realm really started to happen. Because from Aegon to Megor to Ennis, there's a lot of turmoil. And I know you read all that stuff. Like it was a very bad time to start out the Targaryen reign. But he was the one that stabilized everything. So he's mm-hmm. the benchmark that every subsequent Targaryen wants to live up to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, by the way, that the dragon that you see in this episode, when uh, Damon is like singing his Valerian song and he's going up in this cave and then he sings this dragon, well, that dragon is Vermithor. That's the dragon of King Jaehaerys. I don't okay. know if you knew that, Greg. Uh, yeah. So that's another old, important dragon that's very important to the story as well. Was um, he keeping it hidden? Well, I, I think it's funny. I found that through these books that it kind of it's kind of like there are some dragons that after their rider dies, they just kind of chill for like 30 years, 30, and 40 do years and don't, do, and don't do anything. Yeah. And then like in 30 or 40 years, they may get a new rider and then they're out flying again. But beyond that, they're just kind of commissioned on the sideline, which I found kind of odd. But I mean, it, it makes sense. I'm glad they mentioned that in the story because otherwise I'd have been asking that question. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so to what did y'all think of uh, Damon choking Rhaenyra? Because so by, by the way, a lot of people out of all the episodes and Jay Stubbs is in the chat. He knows this, too. People were like complaining a lot about this episode. Like There were some people that were really unhappy with a few things. One um, in the book, Damon is present when Rhaenyra is giving birth to their unborn child. And a lot of people feel like the show, like George, he's a, a great character. He was the wonder and the terror of the realm. Well, the show doesn't really paint him that way. It paints him more of like a psycho kind of chaotic bad guy more than more than anything else. So a lot of people feel like the show is kind of going out of its way to vilify him more than necessary. And a lot of people were kind of pissed off about him grabbing Rhaenyra by the throat. And Sarah touched on this earlier when she kind of mocks him like, oh, he never told you. Well, you realize what's very important to Damon is what Viserys thought about him and that Viserys never considered him to be his heir. Mm-hmm. Because even if on accident Damon was to become the heir, he never told uh, uh, Viserys never told Damon about this incredibly prophecy that uh, coincides with the history of not only their house but all of Westeros mm-hmm. and the entire world itself. Um, and that really pisses him off. I mean, really, really. He didn't consider him not only his heir but not even his equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if you want to start really breaking down, you know, like points of view he didn't even consider him an equal and i think that that was a very well portrayed subplot in this show like 
this season did a, yeah. a good number because not only did Viserys think that he was doing what he thought was right, but he did it in such an extreme measure that it hindered his ability to actually be a functioning king. You know, like he he, he screwed up with the stepstones. Everything that Damon jumped in was like a uh, it was a trait that Viserys didn't have. And I think yeah. Viserys hated himself for that, but at the same time, to not ever see Damon as an equal or like an opposite yeah. to the equal was a real big downfall for him. And also, they say earlier when uh, when Rhaenys shows up at the start of the episode to tell them what happened, the first thing out of Damon's mouth is they killed him. Mm-hmm. They had him killed. Mm-hmm. So not so you know he does have this love for his brother and you saw that in the last episode when you know he uh you know they're at the dinner but he also kind of stumbles on the way up the throne and it kind of helps him to put the crown on his head but he does really care and have love for his brother and he he is a a very kind of uh you know a complex in that way so the fact that he feels that not only did they take his wife's rightful crown and probably kill his brother. But Rhaenyra in that moment is like trying to not go to war and be too hasty. And he acts out like, bitch, what are you talking about? Like, right. we got to murder these people. And he just acted out in a strong, strong way. Well, they make it a point in the book to show the relationship between Viserys and Damon. Like as yeah. like you see it progress, you see how it goes, and but they make it a point to always say that no matter what, the two loved each other. Like when it came down to yeah. it, they would do what it took. You know, like they would piss each other off. And I think they even said that Damon actually, because there's a question of the succession to the throne where uh, Rena, uh, uh, Rena is uh, is is the the queen who got passed over, or Rhaenyra yeah. is the queen who got passed over. Rainies, like. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they they um like Damon actually fights for nice. Viserys to take to take the throne. Like he's like one of the main ones yeah. who stands up and is like, no, this guy's the guy who's next in line. And it's kind of funny how that works out in the whole storybook. I'm not gonna do the whole thing, but it's it's crazy how it worked out. But it kind of makes sense, and yeah, it definitely adds meaning to why it was such a big deal that Rhaenyra was named. Yeah, the the the, the successor. Like based yeah. on what's happened in the book before, especially because they've had a council to convene. I even think they called it the rule right. of 101 or something like that. Yeah, the like, council of 101. Council of 101. Yeah, like they they said that like no, the the male is going to take this like spit period. So it should have been uh, yeah. Raynor or uh, um, Lanor. Like should have been yeah. hands down. You know. Yeah, Lanor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so that was how Viserys was trying to fix that by marrying Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra and and Lanor. But. Um, it's crazy because like it, it, it makes that moment where he's fighting for her to be his heir that much more important because he's going against everything that's ever been in tradition in this yeah. household. You he know? broke all this precedent, mm-hmm. you know. And you, even in the in the in the episode when Damon I mean not Damon, when Arlo Hightower and and uh all of the uh, all of his cronies that they, they go up to Dragonstone and he's like Aegon bears the name of the Conqueror. He has the Conqueror's crown. He has the Conqueror's sword. He rides a dragon. Like, going through all these things that makes him more legitimate. And technically, he's not wrong. Like, Viserys did pass a whole bunch of precedents in order to name 
Rhaenyra, the queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it was definitely an interesting decision by him. By the way, the author, George R.R. R. Martin, says that he likes Viserys better from the show than he does <laughs> in the book. So I that's, do, too, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't touch on Viserys a ton in the book, because like I said, it's one chapter. Yeah. Yeah, like you hear about his birth and the chapter before, and then you hear about him taking over and him dying. And, and, and they kind of make him out to be more of like a drunkard, like a hey, everybody take it easy, like yeah. hey, everything, everything's fine, you know, like more of like a happy go lucky. Whereas mm-hmm. in the show, Viserys has a lot on his mind a lot yeah. of the time. He's very weighed down by the decisions that that he makes. Um, and I, I felt I felt like they added some great complexity uh, to his character. Well, yeah, and he killed yeah, it. So. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needs to win an Emmy. Yeah, like yeah. those awards even mean anything at all. But right. he, he he definitely should should win one. Well, they changed up his story too because, like, in the first episode of this show, is when he cuts his finger originally, right on the on the Iron Throne. But in the book, he doesn't do it until what would be about episode seven in the show. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, like, that doesn't yeah. even happen until, like, episode seven. And it's, like, a really quick progression. Like, of him yeah. cutting his finger, him having to get his fingers cut off, and then him eventually dying from this. Happens in, like, a two-year span in the book. But in the show, they stretch it out from the beginning to, like, this whole well, 20 years. And span. that's why, because it works out so much better that way for the show, you know? You <laughs> actually get to see him oh, yeah. fall apart. And now that the king yeah. is dead, you know that uh, you Eric brings the crown yeah. to the queen. You know when when they pick up with that little spot with uh, at the funeral. Oh, dude, talk about talk about like sour patch kid, man. I mean, you're 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 burning one kid, and then like next thing you know, you're you're crowned in front of all these people who are taking a knee. I mean, like yeah, you're still in pain, like physical pain and emotional yeah. pain, and not only that, but Hey, here's FedEx. We got your crown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Eric Cargill. Uh, yeah. yeah, the the episode was 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 great. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we need to talk about before yeah. we get to the the main? Obviously, oh, okay. what we're what we're getting to. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Like you brought up Otto showing up. Otto brought that one page from the from the you know the book that. Oh Alice yeah. Said. Was, yeah, was I wanted reading. to ask y'all something about that discussion. Go ahead. But no, like, do, what did you? Okay. So, it, maybe this is a little bit too too in detail, but that paper that Rhaenyra ripped out early in the season, and then gave to Alicent, and then that's what Alicent gives to Rhaenyra. But you can take it as two different ways. One is a reminder of, hey, we were best friends. You and I had love for one another. Mm-hmm. Now, even in the, uh, I, I know you've seen the Inside Episode stuff, Ross. Uh, there's even like a hint that they had even like a romantic relationship. I like thought they, they were, did from the, from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. yeah, like they were kind of into one another. Um, and you, you can take it that way. But if you look at what the story is, like the words on the page, it's talking about Nymeria fleeing dragons from Valyria. That way her people don't get burned alive and then burning the ships 
so that way no one can escape back to old Valeria. So some people are interpreting it as both a sign of, hey, we were friends, but also don't fuck with us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nope. Like, like I, a little bit of a, a, of a double play there. I thought that's exactly what they were doing. Um, I actually had to go back to, to remember uh, to that episode to remember what they were talking about when she ripped it out. Right. Um, I, I get both of them like that. The depth of that play was so deep that it, it portrayed both of those things because on the surface, it very much was like, remember when we were kids and we got along and everything was perfect. You know, we lived a great world and a great life before, you know, we had all the responsibilities. And then, you know, since these people die at like 50, uh, a, a quick 10, 15 years goes by and all of a sudden, you know, now they're in charge and they're literally talking about if you screw with me, the empire will fall. What you think yeah. it will be your namesake is going to fall apart and crush and crumble and burn in ash. And I thought that was a fantastic scene. That's why I brought it right back up because it was a split second. And what it meant was the weight of that scene was ridiculous compared to the time that it transpired. Yeah. And uh, J-Stub says in the chat, and this is true, that Nymeria and her 7,000 ships, that's, they're, they're already in production on this show. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, uh, Ross, I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you do, but Dorn from the show, like all of the Dornish people are descendants from uh, Nymeria mm -hmm. and, and her, and her 10,000 ships. And uh, b uh, they never conquered Dorn. And by the way, Greg, so before we get into this dragon thing, does Vagar make more sense now to know what this old bitch of a dragon has been through? Like, dude, like people were making jokes online that Vagar is having DSD, like burning people alive in Dorne while she's like fighting Arax later. It's like, like, she's been through so many wars and so many battles that she's just this old battle hardened dragon that's yeah. quick to anger and quick to violence, you know. But I, I wonder if it kind of makes more sense now after reading everything that she went through from Aegon to Magor and so on and so forth. It does. Like I said, it, it, it's crazy to think about how dragons can just like with nobody to ride them can just chill for 20, 30 years. No problem. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. just be in existence and just chill. Um, but this book has really opened up the dragons thing for me because like, one, I, I thought it was funny how quickly uh, Vagar, like like uh, what's his name, Amon, like got on Vagar, and I guess in the and when in the book it's the same thing. It's just a real quick passage of how he did it, and bam, he's yeah. on there. I'm like, okay, so it doesn't take much to convince a dragon to let you ride him, but once you ride him, I guess you're bound to them, kind of like an avatar with their little yeah. Wing if it they if it lets you ride, you're the only person that it's gonna let ride. Okay. So that was pretty cool, but um, like honestly, man, I'm more interested in Balerion. <laughs> like that story with that dragon, like the one that was bigger than Vagar. Like I know we saw the skull of it in this, and and you know through the book, I've already gotten to the point where he passed away, um, which is crazy. But there's more story with Vagar in this book that I want to know if it has something to do with anything that happens in the future in Game of Thrones with one of Jaehaerys' daughters, which 
I'm going to wait to see because I think it does, but I'm not sure. If you're talking about what I think you're talking about, you're very perceptive, bro. Okay, cool. Very, (laughs) very perceptive, especially since you don't know a lot about Game of Thrones. But there's, yeah, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we need to do a podcast on the book because the book is so extensive, man. We could talk about it for hours. Dude, I'm down, bro. I'm down. (laughs) Let me know when. But there there is definitely a scene with one of Jaharis's daughters and uh and and um Balerian where I'm just like they leave it very vague what happens, and I'm like, wait a second. I kind of know what happens in the future of Game of Thrones. I'm wondering if this is connected. So it's gonna be interesting to see if it is. I gotta be honest with you. I'm I'm really saddened by the fact that you two haven't watched Game of Thrones and you don't get to experience everything in like the same the same progression as the rest of us have. Because I mean it's just like when we you know, you were telling Cody earlier about like Star Wars, like where do you start now? Uh right. with Game of Thrones, you know, you you were gifted dragons in the very, very early season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you not, have to. You really gotta wait to get to them. Yeah, and you gotta put and, your work and, in. You gotta put your hours in in order to get yeah. to full the blown dragons. Yeah. And so now here you are, like you're experiencing these things, and you know the the stories are still the same. You're at a point to where uh, what was it? they said that. Uh, it was the when dragons flew to war, you know, everything burned. And yeah. that was all passing. Like, that's so historical to a point to where lifespans are so short that a bunch of that's been forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dragons aren't really, really, truly remembered in the Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. like well, seasons. And they, it, they make it a point in this book, in the books too, for the Fire and Blood book, about most people have never seen a dragon. Yeah, like it's one of these things. That it's just a myth, like because I mean, there's honestly, like realistically, there's what, like fifteen of them in the world, in like a three hundred year span. There were in the entire world. So I by mean, by the time of the dance, there were seventeen. Okay, yeah. So I mean, and honestly, that's still not that many to cover an entire world. You right. know, so like they even talk about in this book that like most people never seen him. Like when King Jaharis would fly in on his dragon. Like people would gather in crowds because they'd never seen a dragon before, oh, and they were dude. so happy to see the king. You know, it's like, oh, cool. You know. So, so look, this Sunday before the uh, uh, during the post game show, Greg, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have I'll have my my new book, but I'll have my Fire and Blood and my World of Ice and Fire book. I'll have it on my on my desk in the background. But you haven't even delved into that. Nope, World man. of Ice and Fire kind of shows you a little bit into old Valeria back when the Valerian Freehold, and there were hundreds upon hundreds of dragons and numerous different families that were dragon riders. And, like, they ruled the whole continent. And that's why uh, Danes the Dreamer, who was a descendant of uh, Aegon the Conqueror, that's why the Targaryen dreams were so important, because she foresaw the, the Seven Flames which is like the seven erupting volcanoes of Valeria that like literally destroyed the Valerian freehold forever. So that's why the prophecy and the dreams are so important to the Targaryens because it saved their family. So with all that said, at one point in time, there was so many dragons, but now like there being only 17, 
that's literally only because the Targaryens were dreamers and they were able to get the hell out with their dragons and land on Dragonstone before it hit the fan. Yeah, Jay Stubb says Dorne was never taken. It was brought into the Seven Kingdoms by marriage. 100% correct. And I actually know that. I get that reference. Yeah. Actually, there were, what, four Dorne Wars? They talk about in the book. At least. Oh so. man! This, so look, then the fire and blood stops at a certain point, but the world of ice and fire gives you a little bit about all the later Targaryen kings that lead up to the Game of Thrones books. And dude, coming up soon, there's this guy named Daron the Young Conqueror, and his whole thing is we're going to conquer Dorne. And it's basically the Westeros <laughs> version of Vietnam. Just a senseless, pointless war where everybody dies and nothing good happens. And there are no dragons, too. So it's all just pitch battle in the desert sands. And it's brutal. I, I hope that they do those stories later on down the road in right. later seasons of House of the Dragon. That would be awesome. Well, they definitely good. Circle back to where we were on this episode. Let's mm -hmm. talk about it. Let's get Let's to it. it. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. Fall right into the point where you have you got Rainey's trying to figure out what in the hell is going on with them. Like when I say them, I mean everyone in the, the, the black dragon suits, right? You turn around, Corliss is back mystically, thanks to the wonderful like cinematography magic of the world. They're able to come together and be like, hey, you know what's cool? Uh, war's about to happen. We should probably pick a side so that we don't die. That would be cool. They pick a side. All of a sudden, everyone's cool with the sons coming up and being the two that are going to go spread the good word of the Book of Mormon here. Like, yeah. like what, what, what? That moment was the moment where I'm like, oh, well, someone's going to die. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've, watched, I've watched enough of this to understand this is yeah. the moment where they tell you who's going to die yeah. and you just get to narrow it down from the hundred percent to two. Right. So, Whoever the yeah. camera follows, you know, it's going to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. So, but let's talk about that scene. Like, cause okay. So we'll get into this. This is the big dragon fight. I guess this is kind of like the big fight of the finale, which everything like, was building up to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is almost the moment that starts the war. Basically. This is the moment that starts the war. Yeah, it is. The moment that starts the war. So, it was cool. You sent me that tweet the other day of, and I don't know if it was in the extras or or like what it was, but it was somebody narrating the basically yes. the, the last ten minutes of that of this episode. Yeah, in condensed in like a three minute scene, and it's somebody narrating it from the book and so how Ross it's will, from the book to, to, to like the, the film. The voice actor that was doing that in that clip was Robert Baratheon from season one of Game of Thrones. No, shit. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I. Uh, Again, it's filled with spoilers, but if you guys did want to, like in the DVD extras of one of the Game of Thrones season, they did a full 20-minute animated story on the Dance with Dragons, and it's narrated by different people from the show That's throughout right. it. Yeah, okay. and it's incredible, man. Okay. Like um, uh, Joffrey does one at one point. Uh, dude, there's, there's, I know, dude, there's so many of them. It's actually really great. But, yeah, dude, just the feel of it was perfect. I felt that hit the nail on the head. Well, the only problem I have with this last scene, right? Okay, like, okay, so so 
uh, Rhaenyra's son gets to uh, who is it? The Stark's house, uh, the house of Stark, uh, uh, and Baratheon. Storm's End. Storm's End. Okay, That's House Baratheon. Okay, Baratheon. Okay, so he gets there, and like as soon as you was, uh, park Luceris. your dragon, Lucerus or Jaceris? Lucerus. Uh, that was uh, yeah, Lucerus. Mm-hmm. Lucerus on. Yes, that was Luceris. Luke or Jace, whichever one you want to call it. Let's Luke. keep it short. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> yeah, Luke. That is easier. Well, as soon as you park your dragon and you see, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what you do. You valet that motherfucker. You see what's his name right there? Like, aren't you? Oh, just Vagar, handing, yeah. Like, Vagar, aren't you just handing the note over and being like, "Deliver this for me," or yep. sending the raven at that yep. point? Like, I'm not going in. Like, hey, open the me? door so I can yell the message from here. <laughs> this guy that I know wants to kill me, that's bigger than me, and has a dragon that's 95 times the size of my dragon, is here. No, I'm not walking in that door. And, and maybe it's an honor thing, but I'm not walking in there. You know, like there's no way. Well, things were very different back then. You know, they 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 made the point to say that you know, like he's here to 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 speak. He's not here to fight. And right. you know, that was exactly what his mom said. Like, you're not a warrior. You are literally going there to spread a message. Um, all that you have to do is speak. And so, as a messenger, we've seen already in this specific show this season, where Damon you know, uh, beat a messenger up, bring in the word of his brother about the, the war. Like it, like Viserys was going to show up and say the, the, uh, the stepping stones mm-hmm. and he got pissed off and beat the dude, right? Like that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to shoot the messenger. That's the phrase. But what happens? Eamon thinks that he's better. Eamon thinks that, you know what? We, we're just installed as the power in this world. So uh, I pretty much can do whatever the hell I want to do. And he tries to, and just, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the cockiness with this character, with the the moment that he goes from that, the moment that he goes from thinking that he can get the kid to, to screw that he can just affect him, you know, like you're going to cut your eye out or you're not going to walk out of here. And then like, thankfully, you know, Baratheon was just like, uh, no, not in my hall. That's not happening. I don't understand how they got on dragon back. And next thing you know, they're right up to each other. I guess, you know, one gets more air miles. Yeah. I think Vagar's much hour. faster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, but what, you know, to see, the childlike behavior on Eamon's face until he's faced with death and that, that complete switch just changing him that mm-hmm. moment to where he's like, Oh, I fucked up. Yep. <laughs> that so wasn't supposed something? to happen. Okay, uh, hey, can I play this real quick? I just shared this, Greg. Yeah. I don't know if you can throw this up real quick. I think you guys are going to laugh and it's just funny because Rossi just said this. <laughs> This is how it is. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. I'm turning around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I said that. I said that to Jay Stubbs because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, that would have been but, the best action. <laughs> that definitely would have been the best force of action. Um, but okay, so I mentioned the other two moments where people were pissed off at the show with Damon. But the other moment that people were pissed off at, um, and you haven't read it yet, Greg, but it's not really that much of a spoiler. Um, in the book, it's made to seem like Amund is just this Terminator. 
Like, he's just got this ruthless, vicious intent. And it's very much made to seem like uh, Amond and Vagar very much intended to kill Luke. Whereas this episode throws that entire thing on its head. One, yeah, now it just kind of, yeah, now it kind of seems like Eamon was trying to bully him, which it is still his fault because he was like his massive dragon to go after this young boy and a much <laughs> right. smaller dragon. So he like, definitely has, yeah. yeah, he definitely has some culpability in what happens without question. Um, but then, like, it, it makes it a point when Luke is getting ready to leave. He goes up and starts talking to it and says, mind me, you have to listen to me, you know, because it's with the bad weather and Vagar's right over there. Like, you have to mind what I say. Well, mm -hmm. dragons, it's funny how earlier in the season, Viserys says to uh, Rhaenyra, uh, you know, we're only under the illusion that we control these dragons. We don't control these dragons at all. And you see that from both Luke and Eamon. Because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Eamon is flying along and doesn't see uh, and doesn't see Luke and Arax. And then all of a sudden, they come out of nowhere. And because Arax felt threatened, if a dragon feels threatened, they're going to go after what's threatening them. They are alpha predators. Like, they don't know anything else but to fuck you up, you know? So... Uh, Arax burns Vagar, sends the fireball at him, but you hear Luke say, no, mind me, Arax, don't do that. Like, he kind of knows that his dragon kind of fucked him over in that moment. Well, then Vagar starts having those Dorn slash Vietnam flashbacks versus <laughs> oh, all must kill. That, that dude, Kill Bill music starts yeah, playing. <laughs> and, dude, and, and Vagar just goes crazy and you hear Eamon um you know telling Vagar no no don't don't kill him and by the way this is a testament um remember at the start of the episode or uh, episode one uh Randy says you know they're all summer nights none of these nights have ever known true battle because of just um uh the old king um uh, uh, they've never known war. So all of these people, they're not battle-hardened. Whereas Vagar has been through many battles. And Eamon has never been through them. And in that moment, if you notice, he doesn't speak Valerian to his dragon. He speaks in a normal tongue. He's mm -hmm. like talking to it normally. And it kind of goes to show that Eamon as a character is also not battle-hardened. He, he might be a dragon rider, but he has never ridden his dragon to battle and to fight other people, let alone with a monster like Vagar. So I actually enjoyed the fact that instead of it being this malicious intent by uh, Eamon, who's just this ruthless you know, murderer-killer, it's like he didn't intend to actually do that. And it was his own, you know, um, his uh, green abilities, you know, not being so, no pun intended, not being so battle-worn that he wasn't ready for that moment because he's never been in a battle like that.
Yeah. So I, I loved it. I thought it was an incredible touch. Uh, the fact that they did that. I don't know what y'all think, but I loved it. No, that really was a nice touch. I, I didn't have that knowledge going in because I'm actually starting that chapter tomorrow about where we're yeah. right at this moment where it starts off. But um, I thought it was, I thought it was cool they did the chomp instead of like burning him up. Like I, I thought for sure yeah. with the dragon they're going to use the effect of the fire and they're going to burn him up and something's going to happen. The chomp was cool. No, like, that but he didn't. Monster fucking chomp. It was awesome. Yeah, he he literally just bit him to kill him. That mm-hmm. that was you know. Whereas you see, uh, you know, we talk about like that uh, that first episode of Life and Death for Tales of the Jedi. You know, the whole purpose is you know you kill for food and blah blah blah. Well, like he just straight killed him. Like there, there was not no other intent other than like he put fire in my face. Like okay, like now yeah. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, Fuck dragons have no out. allegiance to each other. Yep. I'll tell you that. And no a allegiance lot of people to each other at all. were kind of upset, like that it wasn't canonical. But even in um, in uh, I believe it's a Clash of Kings, like Daenerys, she mentions like when you ride a horse and you whip its left side, it's gonna go right. Because it's meant to go away from battle. But if you smack a dragon, one, it might not even give a damn. Because it's like, it has dragon scales and it doesn't even get hurt. But if you whip its right side, it's like, oh, it turns right. Because it's going to annihilate you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there are times when she just has no control over Drogon in the story. So, um, it, it, it doesn't, it's not like it doesn't make sense. It totally does. Right. And, you know, and Greg, now that you know how the book is written, I'm totally fine with the show taking liberties like that in that moment to humanize the characters. Because it did humanize Eamon to me as a character. That he isn't just some cold-blooded monster, kind of like he's depicted to be. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny, too, because, like, this show does a good job of portraying one character as a bad guy. But then when you really get to know this character, you're like, well, he's not really bad. He just is blunt. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, oh, welcome like, to the universe. Bro. Yeah, he just doesn't candy <laughs> yeah. coat things, you know, like 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 this guy's like what he's saying is absolutely right. He's just not sugarcoating it for you. Like, he's not worrying about hurting your feelings like this is how it is. So it's like, you know, I feel like. You, when you look at it, Eamon should be king 100% over his brother. Yeah. You know, well, over yeah. Aegon. And it's like, well, but, I mean, that's just the way things were. And I feel like that's the way it kind of was with, with Viserys and uh, and Damon. Yeah. You know, in Second the book, they talk about all the time how Damon was so much more fit to be king. He was a better fighter and a better. Like, in, in the show, they make it seem like Viserys rode dragons a lot, but realistically, he rode, uh, uh was a. Uh, uh, Balerian. Balerian. Yeah, he rode Balerian until it died, and then he never rode again. Well, he rode, it. and he rode one time. He rode him around the city, and that was it. And did you get to that part too, where they're like, you can't get sick, where it's not safe for them to fly anymore because they're so heavy that when they land, they can really hurt themselves. Like, they never stop growing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, but like, and that's why there's a difference between Balerion and Vagar, because Balerion is this infamous dragon, but at the end of his life, dude, he's just kind of chilling. He's like a curmudgeon old man, you know? Whereas even into Vagar's old age, 
this old girl is uh, starting fires Getting quite it. literally, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Normally she yeah. doesn't seem happy about it, but I'll tell you right now, like the way that they displayed uh, Arax falling, like the pieces and everything else. Yeah. Like I thought that was actually really good. I thought the, oh, yeah. the, the visual of the whole scene was really good. And yeah, it's not the last scene, but that visual meant just as much as the expression on Renera's face to me. Like they, they went very much hand in hand to that's why I said I wanted that one little bit extra, like at the very end where, mm-hmm. you know, she was just like, just say like burn them all or kill them all or something, you know, like go full scorned woman, mom mode and like <laughs> beat the shit out of everybody. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I'll address with this, and uh, somebody brought it up in the chat earlier about how did Renera know that what had happened? I think you got to use a little movie magic with that. But I know that in the book, or at least from the audio part I heard from the clip you showed me the other day, they right. do describe it as like the people in uh, uh, what was his name, Barmy, or yeah, not, I keep wanting to say Barmy, Baratheon, Baratheon. Yeah, they describe it as they saw flames in the sky and they heard screams. Yeah. So you don't necessarily know what happened, but this book that's yeah. what this book is about is like being very vague about things because there's not everybody there with camera phones to videotape everything and tell you exactly what happened. It's Thank God. what these people heard and what the person who was recording the information put down. You know? Yeah. And that was what they said was that they saw flames in the sky shortly after both of them left and they heard screams. You know, so, well, yeah. when little Luke never made it home, yeah, and then one doesn't make wonder. it home exactly. Yeah, so something's <laughs> got to be up then. You, you got to know something's going on. But final thoughts: What do you think? What do you want to see going forward, Sarah? Talk about it. Well, the thing that's so funny to me about this 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 whole series um, thus far is everything that's happened has. I mean, think of two um, bottle points, like when Allison thinks Sarah is talking about her son Aegon. Mm-hmm. And then also where you have Amon, which dude should have just built a bridge anyway and got over that shit because, okay, you lost an eye, but you gained a dragon. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you gained something more important than your freaking eye, but because him being still a kid, you gotta remember he's still a kid. I mean, even though he looks 30, I think he's, like he's still a kid. Yeah. At that point, yeah. He, looks he like still he's has that adolescent mindset of, I'm going to get you, you know, like, like that whole bully, you know, type thing. He's like, you know, you were shitty to me. I'm going to be shitty to you. And look what found, you know, look what happened. So I'm just really curious to find out, like, in going into the second season, how many other, like, misconstrued situations are going to totally fuck shit up? Because if you A think lot. about it, all this happened yeah. because of misconstrued or miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and that then, most of the time in life, major things, fights and things yeah, absolutely. generally because I mean, of that, though, you know? Like you a know, misunderstanding the, the of smallest, the, the largest wars are started over the... the, the smallest things yep and this universe plays on every little bit of that Mm -hmm. which just like in this universe is is all it's fantasy but at the same time it's almost kind of history too because like even though yes things weren't run exactly like this it very much runs in line with the way things used to be yeah. For people back in the days, you know, I mean, like it's fictional in- history to a fantasy point of view is exactly yeah. what it is. I mean, like it, it's yeah. just enough to give you the idea of like what you're comfortable in, but dragons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it even shows progression uh, of different things like, uh, um, Jaharis's wife, um, 
she fights against the 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 right of the first night from from kings you know or like prima nocta i guess what we would call it like that was a thing like the king would just be able to deflower whatever woman he wanted to on her wedding night and then like throughout the book you see her holding councils of women oh yeah the first night, know yeah. women and like she's like no we need to announce this like this is this is done mm-hmm. You know, and and they and they do. So it's like it's crazy how it works out, but it's cool to see progression. You, like, like I said, if you read the book, you see the like the building of like a very primitive household from the beginning to like an empire. At the end, you know, where they even talk about there's chapters on them building roads and stuff like that, like the, the importance of infrastructure and sewers. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy how it breaks. This is like a a, a historical chronal or a chronological history of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty crazy. So. Yeah. Really, really. Not only that, it's you know it shows the the religion deflection, and it shows how you know they the, the Targaryens uh, thump back against uh, the way that everyone else thought religion should be, and how much of a stand religion actually took to denounce all of their like bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to keep going forward with it, I find it funny in this universe how how quickly the uh, they they like just whatever the septum say or whatever the, like the, the the seven says they're just like ah whatever we're gonna do our thing until it comes to certain rules like marriage no you don't cheat on your wife which i agree with but it's like there's certain things like we're gonna marry whoever the hell we want to but you better not cheat on her it's yeah. like well, okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get you. you hold certain standards in some points but not in others i got you okay no problem mm-hmm. but you know it's, it's all what you say uh th- this show is awesome this show has made me watch game of thrones i'm going to actually after I finished Fire and Blood, get all the Game of Thrones books. Cody, you, didn't you say each book was one season? Roughly, Basically. I think it's what it plays out to. So I yeah, think what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch one season and then read a book, and then watch one season and then read the book. Because like I like the idea of knowing what's happening and like seeing it play out in the words, you know, in my yeah, mind yeah, based yeah. on what I've seen and what I feel like it's having. So because yeah, this chapter I read today was the most interesting. Like I was so in, intently into this chapter, I misdelivered so many pieces of mail. I had to go back. It was funny. <laughs> hey, but when but. you do read this chapter, there are quite a few differences. And there's one in particular uh, regarding Amond and the build-up to this dragon fight. And I won't spoil it. Uh, but it is funny. Like, it is genuinely hilarious because it's like, it's kind of stereotypical. But at the same time, it's, it's also just like really funny that that's what is part of what provoked Amond. But yeah, just whenever you read it, man, you're not bugging me. Just message me whenever you like. <laughs> so I'm messaging like 20 times a day, like, dude, this just happened. <laughs> so. Dude, I'm I'm down for it, man. Because um, yeah, like I said, I don't know too many other book readers. Uh, I know Jay Stubbs is in the chat. He has. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love that you're that you're because you've been so excited about reading Fire and Blood. I've gone back and I'm reading all the. Um, I actually got two of the free audio books today because when I was like 23, I found PDFs of all of the books and I literally read all the books on PDF uh, before uh, season three premiered. So after season two, I binged all the books and it probably lasted me a little bit longer than just a year, but I read them pretty fast, like right up until season three. And I, I fell head over heels in love with Game of Thrones and the world and the story. Mm-hmm. And But now I'm listening to the audiobooks. Um, I've read the first audiobook, the first Game of Thrones. Now I'm back on A Clash of Kings. 
and then uh, a storm of swords will be after that. So I'm back in it, man. I'm pumped. I'm down. I'm excited to get into it too. Like I said, this has opened up a whole new world for me. People have been telling me for years to check out Game of Thrones. And I'm not going to lie, man, until DC came on HBO, I just never paid attention to any HBO properties. And then once really? DC teamed up with HBO and I bought HBO Max, I watched uh, Breaking Bad. I, you know, like I watched all these, well, maybe Breaking Bad went on HBO, but I, I watched all these shows that people told me that I needed to watch at some point in time that I never did. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I should listen to people more. <laughs> like, I should definitely listen to people more, which is why I'm watching Rebels right now. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, man, uh, loving the show, Cody. I'm so glad you like it too. It is cool to have kind of a book partner to 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 go into this with. And I have two of my friends. One of them is reading the book, and one of them is listening to the audiobook at the same time. I'm doing it too. They're huge into Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, so it's cool to have people to talk to while you're going through this yeah you know because all because I, I just get you so have millions of people watching the show with you you can literally talk to anyone That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. but it's yeah. just really really fun man and, I, and i'm loving this series i'm loving this universe and i can't i have so much more to dive into and i yeah i am going to in the future you know how uh the other day we were talking to drew on twitter I convinced Drew to get the audio book of Fire and Blood. Too. Yeah, he told me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's perfect, dude. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm converting people to my cult of thrones. You know, um, I would I would I'm recommend good. if you if you want to listen to audiobooks, it is an awesome feature. Nathan got me into audiobooks about two years ago, and ever since the then best. I can't stop. It really is the best. If you if you sign up for Audible, you get like two books for free. Then you get like a free book every month. So, you know, you just every month buy a new book or you can just buy new books if you want to. But like there is a ton of great stuff out there, man. And audiobooks are for me like definitely the way to go. Like I would I would rather honestly read an audiobook than read a book. And, <laughs> Any you, day can, of the week, and yeah. you can multitask. Like oh, yeah. you can do other shit and listen to the story at the same time. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's that it, it's definitely awesome. I recommend it to anyone and everyone. And um yeah. Um, I'll just I'll give a I won't spoil anything, but this show is gonna shock the world when blood and cheese happens. I'm not gonna say what it pertains to, and Greg, you're very very close to it. Okay. Did but you say blood and cheese? Blood and cheese. Okay. Yes. And um, just want to make sure I got the verbiage right. Yep, blood and okay. cheese, and um, it's like. Again, I won't spoil that either. I know Ross knows what I'm talking about. Like, but like, uh, it it should be equivalent to the Red Wedding, and like what happened in Game of Thrones. It's like a what, dude? Okay, yeah. Okay. But um, it, it's about to be insane. I, I can't wait to see uh, uh, what they do with this show. Yeah. We do have a while before we hear anything. I mean, scheduled for 2024, but we know that things always change with these this kind of stuff, especially with the yeah. popularity of this show. I would hope they're going to push it forward. But if not, I'll be here in 2024, hopefully, and I'll be ready to watch it. And by I'm then, I should you, be caught up completely on Game of Thrones. I'm going to tell you, if you come across something, avoid it. If you come across news or if you come across anything, I mean, other than like if they're going to bring in yeah. new actors or any of that, just avoid it. Like it's, yeah, it makes it so much better. Um, don't, 
don't manifest the world in your head. Don't try to create something that's not there because when you see it, it just look, this show came out in tandem with rings of power. And it did. It blew really out of the water. Did. I liked rings of power, but it blew it out of the water. <laughs> like, there's did. so much more that like, I, I can't compare my, I keep calling it Game of Thrones love. Uh, that's just how I'm going to refer to it as mm-hmm. uh, to anything else. Um, you know, I've got 30 plus years of Star Wars lore experience and everything else. I love the MCU. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, like DC catches, you know, a, a breath of fresh air. But this is like in its own tier off somewhere else for me. And it's magnificent. And I've always loved it. And I mean, just just wait <laughs> just just wait impatiently but happy and knowing that you know you're gonna get to jump back on this ride again and go all over again i'm excited yeah well do y'all have anything else you want to say about uh house of the dragon or are we gonna wrap this one up for uh, a couple of years and come back to it oh that hurts if you're gonna get into the books like this we need to figure out some way to do some kind of like podcasts about it i can definitely do small shows we need refresher episodes yeah uh greg especially if you're talking about taking it season by season you know like that's probably a good refresher episode to see what happens you know take a month can't watch 10 episodes and then like you know each month or two we can kind of you know talk about that season, you know, and if you want to read I it, I want or Sarah case to maybe. go back and, and watch Game of Thrones. I think Sarah, I think I she's know, got I, in there. I, I, I see I'm you making there. that face, Sarah, but Sarah, just, look, just like I was right about this, I'm right about Game of Thrones, and you're gonna love it. You're gonna get into it. I promise. Yep. Just stick with it. It's, it's, it, it to me, it's one of my favorite stories ever told, you know. Well, I will, I will say, after I have watched the first episode and I, like i said i got halfway through the second one and i'm like i'm gonna have to push that one because it's got a totally different feel than it's a ride dragon. though it's it a is totally such a ride yeah i got i got i've actually watched the first episode of game of thrones too um and then whenever the end with the the brother fucking the sister and i didn't know anything about this universe then and i was like <laughs> what kind of show am i getting into but now that i've learned a lot more about this universe okay that's that's yeah, normal. Yeah, normal. <laughs> normal. Nothing yeah, to so. see here. Yeah. <laughs> so. The yeah, only man. other thing that I would say is uh, there's so many tidbits, like each and every little thing that we watch, like people with their experience and everything else. But um, you have, so like you have Damon, right? I mean, he played Doctor Who. You know, Matt Smith is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the little background behind the scenes stuff, it tells you that you have uh, the king jaharis he is actually michael carter and for star wars fans he's the original bib fortuna so he is that same actor and uh you know of course like viserys plays in all sorts of stuff like i I don't know if any of you guys watch peaky blinders or like the uh, the born ultimatum um he's in that but the 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 most crazy one is otto Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, this dude's been in everything, mm-hmm. man. 
He's the kicker in the replacements. Bro. Yes. He's, he's Nigel, the smoking oh, kicker. Really? In oh, the replacements. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah. 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 Now I see that. I, I'm like, I that didn't was like want to say anything ago, though, but yeah. until we finished the season because wow. the moment I saw him, I'm like, no way. And that is. What him. else has he been in? Roster or something else that he was in? He was that- Dr. Connor uh, in one of the Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. He played. Uh, oh, um, no. Yeah, he played. Uh, um, not Doc, yeah, Doctor Connor, yeah, the rep in yeah, uh, Amazing Connor. Spider-Man, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. Uh, I yeah, remember him from Notting Hill things, because but... he was that one crazy yep. guy. I remember that's where I remember him from. I was mm. like, this, he's always in his underwear. That's but so crazy. No one, I would never see right, him his Yeah, no one has a track record like um, uh, Sir Harold. That dude has a yeah. voice acting list that is. Probably, I mean, in the right font, a mile long. <laughs> you know, he, he played in Aquaman. He played in The Witcher. He played in Preacher. He, he's done voice acting for so many different things. But, I mean, he is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, also, Jay Stubbs mentions Little Nicky. Have y'all seen Little Nicky? Uh, the Adam Sandler yeah. movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's one of the, the brothers in that movie, too. Dude, that guy's awesome. He's he's such a great actor, man. <laughs> that is crazy. He he killed Otto Hightower. That was uh, yeah. It, the casting was incredible. Yeah. They, yep. they killed it. I hope they win some Emmys again. They to should. what point they even matter? It's like whatever, but they deserve right. it for sure. Well, most of the most of the shows and movies that win those awards, I've never even heard of. And I do a podcast on shows and movies. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But then again, oh, what was the one good. that just happened? The the Saturn Awards, like like who watches the Saturn Awards? But like I've never all, heard of Saturn all Awards. sorts of different things came out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and and dude, who's like I'm so proud of my Saturn Award. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I'm so honored, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, Tony, it's not it's not Patty. It's the guy that plays Auto. Uh, his Pat- name is uh, it's Reese. Ray's. Risafans or Ivans yeah. or however you say it. It's R H Y S. It's a weird. It's a weird. Yeah, R- yeah name. I got it. it's uh, R H Y S Ivans I I F A N S. Yeah, but it's, I remember him being the kicker because I I love the replacements. I think that movie is fantastic. Movie. I love one of the it. best football and, movies ever made. Yes. Yeah. And so when I when I saw him show up as Otto, I'm like I it. I paused the episode when I saw him because I'm like, no way. Like it. And that was probably the only one. I'm not a Dr. Hugh fan. That was probably the only actor in this movie that, or series that made me do that. I would have never even thought about that if you hadn't said it, but now that you've said it and I'm looking at it, I, you can't, I can't unsee, unsee it. it. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't you unsee can't him doing a dance and lighting a cigarette when he makes a kick, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's like, well, okay, that's cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I got. Watch yeah, the behind the scenes stuff. It's really good. The real short clips, not short clips, but they're like twenty minutes or so. Uh, it's real good behind the scenes stuff. So I recommend it. Yeah. Read the book. It's a nice twenty six hours of your life to spend. Well, listen to the book. It's a nice twenty six <laughs> hours. If you read, you may be able to read faster than that, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, man, love the series, Cody. Anything else you got to say about House of the Dragon? Say so if not, um, we'll, uh, we'll probably move on here in a minute. No, just uh, I recommend a YouTube channel. There's a guy named Alt Shift X, and he does incredible a Song of Ice and Fire videos. And he delves deep into the lore, 
but also for every one of the episodes, he did a breakdown of the episode and shows you all the things that you miss, and he really does a deep dive. It's so eye-opening, and he loves it so much. Yeah, Alt-Shift-X is the name of his channel. I highly recommend it. He's incredible. I will check it out for sure. Cody, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it, man. Like, it's been fun having you for these 10 weeks. (laughs) Yeah, man. We'll figure out some other way to... To oh, for sure. Show at some point in time. Yeah, you can come back for all these little these little uh, season updates. Not only that, uh, we're gonna have to get an arcane season two before long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, dude. As soon as that happens, you know I'm down. I, oh I yeah, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, I you know I love talking to you guys. Um, Greg, Ross, Sarah, Sarah. Sorry, we all talk so much. You know, we're a bunch of loud mouths. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, y'all have a good night, and um, I'll be talking to you soon. You too, buddy. I'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Later, man. All right. I only got one more thing on my list. Well, I got two more things, but I don't know if we're going to get the last one. But uh, one thing on my list, Major, and that's Andor. Sarah, did you need to get out of here? Yeah, I'm going to leave y'all for that because um, i got to get up bright and early in the morning. But I will definitely jump in on the um, Andor conversation next week because we got plenty of it left. Oh, yeah. We've got a few more weeks that left. (laughs) All i got to say is I, I will leave you with this. After watching that episode... I feel I'm like really. Um, I don't really, I don't want to walk on um, bare, you know, floors with my bare feet. No. I just, I'm just, I'm not down with that now. I'm like, yeah. mm, no, give me carpet. <laughs> Made me feel weird stepping off my bed. Yeah, exactly. So. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's yeah. not weird. Yeah, fellas. Cool, cool All right, deal. well, I will definitely catch you guys later, and um, yeah, have a good week. I'll talk to you later. You too. Bye, guys. Later, sir. Later. All right, man. Then there were two. Let's knock it out. Let's talk about some Andor. We're traveling back into a galaxy far, far away. So, um, okay. So this is episode seven of Andor. I think we, we covered six last eight. Is it okay? Eight. Is it eight? Yep. yep. Okay. A- episode eight uh, is Nar- That's right, seven was Narcan the five or whatever the name of yeah. the planet is. Okay. So episode eight. Um, this show continues to keep me interested in what the hell's going on. Like oh, I, yeah. I have no idea what's happening next. We got some cool appearances in this one, and we got to see a little bit of uh, what's going on with Andor. We got to see a little payoff from the uh, lieutenant guy from the beginning of the show. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Zero. Yeah, and we actually uh, we get to see some sparks of the rebellion here in, in different forms, and we see that this is a lot bigger than it's being led on, or at least that we've been known about since it's been going on. Like in the background, there's a lot of infrastructure for this rebellion. It's like different factions, which is pretty cool. So what do you think about this episode overall, man? Uh, I think it told three really good stories. Uh, you had the Cassian being capture plot. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go into that like in depth later, but I mean, like just the overall portrayal of it was timed perfectly with the other two plots in the story. The other two mm-hmm. plots were the um, uh, Deidre being on the hunt. So the ISB, and Cyril and that whole subplot. And then you had the um, uh, Ferex planet mm-hmm. basically being kind of like the rebel plot of the episode. Right. So this episode did a real good time. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it spaced it out perfectly. Like it was able to combine each of those because in the first part of this episode, I thought they were only telling two stories and I thought that was going to be. Cassian being caught and 
Deidre trying to figure stuff out. But then it started to unfold with a little bit of the rebel story, which made it a little bit, you know, added a third dimension to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my big thing. You know it. So I'm going to talk about it right off the bat. The music for this episode. There is something about that off key synth that just draws such a sense of uh, unease. I, I, you know, like it's, yes, it does a, such a good job of putting you on edge mm-hmm. and it's time. Like it's not all offbeat synth. Like, it comes back into play with like full well sounding, well rounded out music. And I think all of it, I, I can't say enough good things about this music in this show. I, I said watching it with earbuds in put on a whole entire different dimension because mm-hmm. we all have different ways that we like um, listening to things on our TV, right? You know, you, you get a sound bar. It has, movie mode, sport mode, music mode, or whatever it is that you want to listen to. Uh, when I think it was two weeks ago, I started watching this, like with my earbuds in, I am not going to watch another episode of this without them in because yeah, the music in the show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it unfurls the plot on like a whole different dimension that the rest of it doesn't do. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, we can jump into the plot of this story. Yeah, let's it do starts- it, man. Starts right off with um, uh, Cassian as Keef is getting transferred to a planet. Um, once again, the audio in that scene with all of the ships running and him trying to like it. It adds to that like he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know where he's going. Mm-hmm. He has no idea. He just got sentenced to six lost. years in prison. I mean, imagine that. Imagine mm-hmm. you you walk the wrong way. You know, there's plenty of countries in this world that do that. You walk the wrong way, and next thing you know, you're in you have a sentence for years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened. And then it jumped to go ahead. Well, can, can I ask you to uh, just thinking about that? You know, we, we questioned in the last episode about his reasoning for being arrested and like how he really kind of got screwed. In it. Do you think now, based on what we know where he went to, this is just them rounding up bodies to work. Like oh, you, know, you're not it, doing anything. This is, this is just the empire rounding up bodies, yeah. calling them criminals and making them work. So there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, are they creating their workforce as much as they would like create their security force or stormtroopers, right? Mm-hmm. The the other there's not there's not another side to it. It's just that they've taken a zero tolerance stance on everything, right? And well, so the, the guy that, even says when he gets in there, he's like, "What are you in for?" And he's like, "Well, what'd you do?" Mm-hmm. He says, "Nothing." He says, "Yeah, we've gotten a lot of that lately." Which made me think that they're just rounding people up. Like there's nothing. There's a doing lot wrong of things they say up. in that scene that are very yeah. important. Like all of a sudden they all like like their sentences sentences were doubled or had time added. Um, you know they they heard all these things that were happening. They have no idea what's going on, on the outside. The outside's making moves that you know. Not even that that like no one knows on the outside how fast these moves are being made. Mm-hmm. So the people on the inside are seeing it all because they're getting you know an influx of personnel into the prisons. Um, it's not something that is you see the results quicker than you actually see why they need the results. Mm -hmm. So when one thing screwed up being the Aldani plot and them taking money, that whole thing put into the, the works, all these people now are under a zero policy rule or a zero tolerance policy rule Mm -hmm. with that. 
you had the conversation between Mon Mothma and Luthen to where Mon Mothma was like, people will suffer. And he basically said, like, I'm counting on it. You know, like he's 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 and, trying to use the suffering as the weapon right. to unite, like you said, all the factions of all these separated people. And unfortunately, that probably is the best plan. Like it, it is it sucks to say it like that. Like you have to put people through suffering to get there, but that probably to unite people is is the best plan to get it done. When people don't agree, you know, you have to come back to the, the, that one thing of, uh, you know, by the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. And it keeps it keeps the we can all disagree on countless things in this world, but until we find things that unite us against the greater evil, uh, we're not going to make any action because they uh, the world that we live in expects us to be so disoriented and and uh, uh, ununified. I guess would be the be- better word mm-hmm. that we can't ever actually enact any sort of change. That's what they hope for. That's why in a world where you elect people, just like in this world, um, change doesn't get actually made until people make a big enough stink about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they even that, say- that stink is created. Yeah, there, there's even a point in this episode where maybe I'm just mistaken for something else, but isn't there a point in this episode where somebody's saying something about we don't like this and they're like, "We'll vote new, yeah. vote for new yeah. people," and they're and they're like, just kind of laugh like, "Yeah, that's not that easy." Mm-hmm. Like it's not like just just saying well, let's, vote, let's vote them out of office. Hap, do you say that now? No, happens. I think that was tells the Jedi. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, there's something like that, that where they were talking about that. Okay, so but, but no, Star I mean, Wars. the same principle yeah. exists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that like that's you know <laughs> I'll go back to saying it again. When I asked for a political thriller, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be, what I was expecting in my head. But I mean, uh, all of this truly is a political thriller. You know, you look at the events that transpired in you know episode one. And how all of that turned into a simple blockade, putting someone in power to take over the universe and blah, 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 blah. Here we are. This time is the rebuttal to that. This this time is the perfect moment for someone to come back and say, why is Palpatine becoming all this... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grouping all these factions together to keep the Senate, to keep everything that he wants. And how is that working without populist consent? Mm-hmm. How is that all working without populist vote? And why are people okay with it? I guess is that at the end of the day, that's the, the main thing. Why are people okay with it? Unfortunately, that's kind of the way the real world works too. It's, it's like the way it kind of works in America. Yeah. Most people won't vote because as long as they can get up and go to work and go get the stuff they want to go get and, and, and come home and watch what they want to watch, they're okay with everybody else making all the decisions for them. And to be honest, that's the way most people are. It kind of sucks because you have, way more control, you have way more control than that. But mm-hmm. most people are just okay being herded like sheep and being told, this is what you'll do, this is what you'll like, and this is what you're going to do. And you know, as long as they don't get any harm to them, they're just going to go with that. And that's why evil can triumph like that. And in this episode, you have, uh, oh, the serial scene comes next. Um, he gets taken by the guards. He's you know, like out of nowhere. He gets singled out. Cyril uh, and Deidre have the conversation to where she's trying to figure out what's up with 
Andor, why is he a thing? Why are we, why did you sacrifice, you know, all these resources? Like what really happened? Um, he gets to find out that the other Lieutenant basically, you know, botched all of the records and all right. the details of everything that happened to him. Mm-hmm. He tries to set the record straight. And I love the fact that he actually tried to take a stand for himself to where he's like, you know, yeah. like I am good at my job. No one could see that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm like, you can take good or evil and, you know, put anything behind it. I mean, he was good at what he was trying to do with the information that he had. Was right. it right? That purely depends on your point of view. Right. Everything in life is, you know, subjective to a certain degree. Depends on who's so, carrying the stick. That's right. Yep. So. When he did that, um, he was basically let go. I mean, like he, he didn't have a whole lot left in this episode. I, I feel like it's going to come back full circle for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to have, you know, I feel like DJ is going to, I think Cassian's going to escape. We'll get to that point, but we know it is. It's, but... it's going to cause, yeah, it's going to cause <laughs> um, Deidre to have to, to come to terms with the fact that she's not using all the weapons at her, all the resources at her hand uh, disposal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, damn it. I had something I wanted to say about that uh, Sarek guy, but I can't remember what it was now. So I guess we'll just keep moving on. I'm sure I'll remember it here in a minute. Um, oh, I don't remember what I was going to say. I think it's funny that the, the they found Cassie and Andor. They've got the name. They've got the picture. They know exactly who they're looking for and don't realize that you've already got that guy as a prisoner. Like you, physically, as the Empire, already have that guy in a prison, which makes me wonder... Do they not take fingerprints in Star Wars? Wouldn't that no, be the easy? I mean, <laughs> Wouldn't that be the easiest way to to identify? I mean, I guess not every creature may have fingerprints, but at least with humans, you know they but do. But I, I think that's twofold. Uh, you know, like we've we've been taught that um, chain code is like, you know, like through Boba Fett and uh, the other TV shows. You know, like you know, check out my chain code. You know, like it it is who I am or who I say I am. All of a sudden, yeah. you know, like it shows like almost like they're. DNA identification or some weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's twofold, and I think that it shows that how Cassian is smart enough to weave in and out without being detected. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also a failure of a system that's not ready to, you know, like be in charge. You know, right. The, this the, is the start of an empire. Yeah. Yeah. Across the galaxy, not just a state right. or a country or a. Yeah, so I get that. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, you know what? We haven't spoken about uh, the Saul Guerrero moment yet. I well, let's we... get to that first. Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Because you got the prison. We get to see okay. the prison with their tungstoid floors. And the whole entire time you have Cassian in this place eyeballing everything. Right. And I, I am right there with him. Like, if you put me in a situation I don't understand, my eyes are making a map. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to decipher everything. I want to know what's going on. The moment they tell you to kick your shoes off when he was on that ship, I'm like, that's not good. That's a sign of something bad. And you see the other guys walking in the specialized shoes, too. So you're like, okay, something's going on. Do they remind will... you of something? Did those boots remind you of anything? No, what? They reminded me of the shoes that Super Mario Brothers put on in the live action Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. Okay. Now that you mention it, yeah, they you do. know, so, that, yeah, I know that they were insulated, but that's exactly where my mind went. I'm like, they yeah. look like those god awful boots. 
Well, look, I've never been in prison and I wouldn't try to make it out to be anybody who's ever been held captive against their will to be good. But didn't it seem like with the exception of the floors that'll melt your melt yourself, like for the most part, you got a pretty good jail cell. Like you got a nice yeah. clean room, you got unlimited food and water, you got a toilet, you get to you gotta work all day, twelve hour shifts, but beyond that really didn't seem like that bad of a prison. Like, and I, once again, I say that because I'm not being held captive against my will there. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you should try prison out. I mean, I heard that there's an explosion <laughs> in the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that uh, they show that. They show that with Cassian and his 30-day time jump right then and there. That They show how much he's able to adapt and overcome and be a part of it. And you're right. Like, look, the comparisons have been made between being in prison and being in like a person in a capitalistic society. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not very different when you really look at it. Right. Um, but uh, look, he did exactly what he needed to do. He, he played the game and mm-hmm. that, then after that 30 day time jump that they did that real quick little stint, you know, he's sitting there eating his food, getting up, stretching for the morning and boom, he's off for his next shift. Not only that, He's showing that he is no longer the weakest link in 30 days, and that old man becomes the weakest link, which we didn't discuss. Andy Circus being the pit boss. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Caught me by surprise. I had no idea he was in this. For Perfect role for him, yeah. though. I like I I love that role for him. I mean, it's his second role in Star Wars. Clearly, he played um Snoke, but I did now not know we that. get live action. Oh, yeah. I did was, not know he played Snoke. Okay. He was all Snoke. Dude. I'd never seen him in anything I didn't like, to be truly honest with you. Like I that, he's that's just been making um, the rounds. He's just amazing, man. Everything he does is fantastic. And I think he has some range. The guy, you know, you look at his uh playing the claw in MCU, great role. Like he embodies that role perfectly. And then even in this one right here, like he's a guy you kind of want to hate, but you want to love too. You know? Like he's a guy that I want this guy in my back pocket, but at the same time I hate this guy. Yeah, Uh, but he he did a fantastic job, and I thought it was pretty cool because that's the way it would be. Like it's the way it is in any situation like that. They pick one guy to lead everybody. You know, I'm gonna say something blasphemous because I don't know the truth behind this. But did what did he play Gollum? I think so. I I know that that he played. I think that was his first claim to fame. Like I know he played Caesar. uh, in Planet of the Apes, and I know that he's been all over the place for his uh, CG characters, but just like Snoke and everything else, like he's he's all over the place behind the map. Yeah, he did. He played Gollum. Okay, I thought so. Um, but I love him as a live action character. I love what he brings to the screen. His face, his attitude, his his acting. Mm-hmm. I I love what he brings, and so I, I thought he was a great character for this. And someone on his team is going to make it out. We know. For anyone who's watched Rogue One, that one of the characters at his table is actually in Rogue One. Uh, hmm. If you don't know, then like I'll I'll leave I'll it as a little bit of a yeah, I didn't that. yeah. But uh, we get that. I would like to think that I'm gonna make a little bit of a prediction. Something's gonna happen if it happens before Cassian gets out. Then I think that. Days are going to be added to people's time. Yeah. Yeah. Sentence. 
And that is going to be like a a defining moment because he said he had less than a year. He said he had 200 and something days. Yeah. If days get added to his sentence, I think he could be like a, he could be a pawn in Cassian's exit plan. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. So, so So. pissed off at the system that he's like, fuck this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to fuck the system. Yeah. I get that. Yep. I did not know that somebody that was in there in that room was also in Rogue One. Is it the same actor? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. I, I love that they did that. Awesome. Well, that'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. Now i got to go back and watch Rogue One just so I can see if I can figure out who it was. I'll, I'll shoot it to you at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to come out pretty soon. I'm going to know who it is pretty soon. But that's awesome, man. This show's taking a lot of uh, really cool turns in that direction. Great connective yep. tissue. They jump oh. quickly to the Mon Mothma story. Uh, they're back to her trying to figure out how to raise money with her friend. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember the friend's name at this point in time, but you know we get so many um, we get discussions with Palpatine and like what he's doing. You know they're they're name dropping him like crazy. So uh, I even think that there were some of them talking like like jokingly talking about like like oh, Palpatine would how could he overreach and blah, blah, blah. Like right. they're seeing these things, you know, like now he's playing the Senate, not like the Senate as a whole. Now he's trying to, you know, he, it's almost like he's establishing not corporate greed, but he's establishing greed to like, try to keep these people under his, uh, I, I guess direction as at this point in time, mm-hmm. you know, we start off episode four, a new hope with, the discussion of how will the emperor keep the systems in line without the governors and the senators and so on and so forth. And I think this is that transitional period where we start to see how he's trying to keep them fat and happy as the words of this show and trailer have actually said in order Mm -hmm. to keep them going until a point to where they're no longer necessary for his control. The ISB is clearly his weapon that is uh, choking all the other systems. So what do we do? We have, um, oh, then we jump to Ferrix for that other side plot that I was talking about. His mom's about to die. You know, she's wheezing, she's dying. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we see that um, through conversation that she's actually trying to pull like recon for the rebellion. She's trying to go out and see what's going on with like where the troopers at, how many are there per day, when ship change, and like all these other little details that she's trying to plot. It's funny because all of a sudden you see Vel and Senta back. They're trying to hunt down Cassian, and they're using his mom and Bix as the the weapon. Mm-hmm. Like at some point he's gonna come back. Senta's fine with staying there and hanging out, and she basically breaks down. The fact that she's like a true realist to Vel. Vel wants love and, you know, she's getting her heart broken by Senta because Senta's like, no, like, here's the deal. I'm out to get these fuckers. Mm -hmm. And everything that I do is for that. At the end of the day, if I got some extra time on my hands to, you know, bump uglies on the side, Mm -hmm. that's what she does. And that's that's really, she lays it out for Vel. She's like, that's what this is about. Right. I have feelings for you, but my feelings of rage and like hate and everything else take precedence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are in the beginning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Vel and, and the ones you're talking about are the ones that were on the heist with him. Yep. What is Bix? That's the name of the other character, his girl from back in the, yes. In, his, in the city in Ferrix. 
is she sending out like a Morse code signal? Well, uh, one more minor thing before we get to that. Okay. We find out that Luthan actually kind of wants Cassian dead too. Like Luthan didn't have big plans for Cassian. Luthan wanted a producer and Cassian was the producer that he needed. He needed him to produce the mission. Right. Now he's a loose end. Yeah. And so the moment when Bix goes up to try to make a message or to send a message back out and say like, you know, uh, you need to find Cassian, you know, his mom's about to die, blah, 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 blah. That's when that that's the loose end. Like that's a loose end Mm -hmm. from that thing that you're just discussing right there. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and then I guess the last thing, or really the only thing I can think of to talk about now is, is just the Saul Guerrero stuff. I know we were talking about whether we were going to see him or not, and we saw him in Rogue One as an old-aged, battle-torn, you know, kind of worn hard and put away wet type guy, you know. Um, and he definitely looks younger and more spry in this one, or at least, and this is only, what, five years before that? So he must have gotten really jacked up in five years, which I mean, I guess it can happen at any time. And when it happens, it happens sure. quickly. So, but it was pretty cool. It's like, uh, this is where you see that like, uh, okay, so there are different factions of rebellions coming up and they haven't united yet to be the rebellion. They're just a bunch of different groups with the same interest that are organizing and trading with each other, which is funny that they're trading with each other. It's almost like, MCU and Fox or Sony with uh, with Spider Man, it's like okay, we're doing the same thing here. Let's just team up yep. and really make a kick ass movie, you know. And I, I imagine they're going to get to that point. But you do see Saul reject um, what's Luthen's offer. Yeah, Luthen's offer, which is kind of crazy. I don't see I don't see any reason to do so. Like, what 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 did you pick up on them was the reason that he rejected the offer? Uh, so. Pride? Well, Saul's always been portrayed as a character who has mis not misplaced, but uh kind of like out of whack morals. Um he you know, we learn from like from the Clone Wars, like at a fairly young age, uh he was shown the uglier side of all of this. Mm-hmm. And that he didn't want that to continue to continue to happen. And so he started to see the writing on the wall early and what happens with Saul is that, you know, the the portrayal of him in Rogue One being so war torn and disfigured and everything else comes from his. Uh, he's, he's very much headfast. Like he rolls into things very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. He wants to get results. You know, he wants to do damage to the Empire. He doesn't believe in all the shit they're trying to bring along. And he does believe that the only way to make that change is physically through war, through conflict and everything else, mm-hmm. because he doesn't think they understand any other language. He's not wrong, but his tactics leave a lot to be desired. Right. And so what I get from him, you know, the first off, the, the moment we see two tubes and you know, right behind two tubes, Saw Guerrero is going to show up. The conversation between Saw and Luthen keeps de-evolving because Luthen wants to yeah, Luthen wants to sell him some stuff, but Luthen's main pur- pur- uh, purpose is actually to unite everybody. And right. Luthen is an idealist who thinks that he can do so without 
the, I guess the proper equipment. Like he's not coming to the table with the right words and the right things yet because mm. shit hasn't gotten bad enough right. for everyone to kind of unite behind one flag. I think that's even so, when he even makes that statement is like, he's counting on the, the people like suffering. Right. Like in that conversation. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's, I mean, all of this was 100% true. I mean, we're living in it in our own real life. You know, there are multiple things that are kind of, you know, reaching that point in our own real life. So when you see it on screen, you're like, totally could happen because it is happening. Um, I, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it because I know that, I know that Saul has always been a thorn in the side for the rebellion. And I don't think that, I think with the knowledge that we already have from Rogue One, um, he's he's probably going to be an outlier that dips his toe, and we may get to see him dip his toe. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure how much they got Forrest Wicker signed up for, so I don't know what they're going to do with it. I was wondering about that too. Being such a big name, I'd imagine he's probably going to come back for at least one more scene of something. But I don't know how much. I think he would come for. back. I think he would come back regardless. I mean, I think he loves the character. I think he loves the role. And I think he loves the fact that, you know, he gets to do more with it. Right. I just don't know how much, you know, Gilroy and everyone else has in store for him. Right. And they do have to, you know, I mean, they, they have to tiptoe line. Yeah. Because, it, like I said, they set precedents for the fact that he's not liked by, <laughs> well, he's not liked by anyone, you know, like. Right. When Rogue One comes around, you know, Saw as an outlier. So, mm-hmm. All right. the only other thing that we have left is uh, Bix and Deidre have a conversation at the end that we are really not privy to. But, I mean, you know, some bad shit's going to happen. I love, I love seeing the sadisticness of Deidre. Like, leave the the dime. What was the guy's name? Pock Pack, whatever his name was, mm-hmm. in the chair. Like, don't take him away yet. Like, I want her to see him basically being tortured and, and not really mutilated, but you know, just torture. Oh, you can imagine it's something bad. Yeah. And then I love, you know, she flipped the script right off the bat. As soon as like, um, Bix walked in she's like, what is it? Get him out of here. You know, like I, I love that two facedness. And so I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love the direction they're going with this show, man. Like I said, Andor is, it's fantastic. And it's, it just sucks. Cause I know so many people who are like, well, I'm waiting until I can binge it all. I'm like, well, it's, it's a lot to binge at one time, but I can't say I haven't sat down and binged like a show like that at all. But I don't know. It, it's one that I want to explain to people that, like I said, even if you're not a star Wars fan, you can like this show. Like, yes, it's star Wars, but it's not star Wars. Like it's the, it's the cartilage between the ribs of star Wars. That's just star Wars enough to be star Wars, but it's still really good content that you wouldn't even notice otherwise. Like and there's so many show. different takes on it. I mean, you know, like, look, the music is its own character. I'll continue to say that, but not just that. Like Obi Wan had decent music, but man, this one has fantastic. I love the synth spin. Not only with the synth spin, all of the prison scenes, it was so like Stanley Kubricky. I mean, like it was the the shots and all the the way that they they portrayed the prison and all that. It was it's in its own space. The prison felt very Death Starry, hmm. you know. 
Um, who did? Do you know who did the music? Was is it Ludwig? Does this sound as well? I know he does Mandalorian, but I don't know what uh, else he does. Don't think he does this. Okay, I'm uh, not sure what I'll look it up if you would talk. But uh, I am not positive. Yeah. Well, I, I just know he does. I know he does. Um, uh, Mandalorian. I'm not sure what other Star Wars shows he does, but I know he's this young composer who's got some pretty amazing ideas and stuff and. I mean, just the the absolute the score from the Mandalorian is amazing. Like, I absolutely love. You can tell right away exactly yeah. what you're getting there, and I love it. I love being able to know a character as soon as I hear the first note. It's like, yep. I love that it. behind the scenes music episode with uh, Ludwig. Yep, talking about that. That's so that's one of the best ones. Yep. Uh, this is done by Nicholas Bretel. Okay. Um, as far as everything else that he's done, I'm not quite sure, but I know that. Apparently he worked and was an influencer on some of the other scores also. Uh, probably more of like a collaborator. You look it I I want different tones. You know, like I, I said this and with our newest edition you may disagree, but I've always said like with the Marvel stuff, like I want different tones. I want I want to see something different. I want give me something here, give me something there. Let me experience the full gamut of what people can create, whether it be visually or uh audibly. I, I, I want to know what's out there. Like I I don't think the Winter Soldier is the best MCU movie, but I love the Winter Soldier theme music. I love the 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 so much about that and because to me music isn't is an actor on itself and to oh, this to this point this show has given us something on its own end i mean the synth styling music has shown that you can do a lot more than just classical <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be very stupid my biggest complaint with this show is like the the 45 second intro Onto the five-letter name of Andor. Yeah, I, I always skip the intro. So <laughs> after I watched it the first time, I was like, "Okay, I don't need to watch this again." Yeah, you're right. It is like that's very so slow bad. fading rebel oh. symbol in the Andor. It's like, okay, I I, I get it, I get it. Um, but oh, speak, speak. Yeah. Okay, no, I was just gonna say, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I it the fact that this show does such heavy synth music is cool, but when they showed it with the scenes in this episode, I thought that it was magic. Yeah. We know we talked about soundtrack and how important it was and, and the score and how important it was like, especially with like black Adam we covered last week and how I know I mentioned that like, I was going to make the perfect black Adam score with the rocks intro music from WWE or WBF and mix it with something like some kind of, you know, electric cello or or bass or, or some kind of orchestra symphony to sound really good. Look, I tried for like an hour the other day, man. There's nothing that goes well with that. But I'll <laughs> go ahead and tell you. Oh, yeah. But I'll go ahead and tell you right now, you could just play it by itself. Just cut out the, do you smell what the rock is cooking at the very beginning? And just play the music. And that would be badass music for Black Adam. Just saying. It, it's just an awesome soundtrack. Uh, if I could find the, if I could find the notes, I could probably do something with it, but. I, I'll I'll be with it for a I ain't while. got time for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as I'm not as good mixing audio as I am mixing video. So I, it, it was it was definitely it was fun to try, but then like after a, a little while, I had like six or seven different ones I created, and I played them, and I was like, "This just sounds like two bands playing in the same room." 
<laughs> like that's that's all there is to it. There's just two bands playing in the same room. There's no dueling pianos. Room, so. Uh, well, you got anything else about indoor? No, man. All I could think about was um, uh, what was that Pink Floyd song? Uh, Welcome to the Machine. That's all I could think about. Like when he was sent to prison, he was just making shit. It was just like all I could think about was that song. Oh, I got one more question. What do you think they're making? Uh, that's been going around all over the place, right? Um, like I was hoping it was going to be something that, like, when you saw, like, in the background, you'd see him passing something in the background, fully constructed, be like, "I know what that is," and maybe somebody who's smarter than me yeah. does, but I couldn't tell what it was by looking at it. And I, I was I like, mean, "Man, it's I really been hope I they're making." It's been rumored that they were making things for like the Death Star, but what I think is is that you know they they pit all these floors because you know they're supposed to be like five. O2D or whatever like their floor is or mm-hmm. their specific like department is. And I think that they keep all these people separated because they're all making different things and they're all making big shit, you know, whether here look, they're slave labor. I mean, yeah. There is no other explanation like they are slave labor. And so mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're making, uh it could just be one part of all of these other water planet people. You know, I mean, like there are so many prisoners and so many different levels to all of this. Lord knows what they could be making. Yeah, White Chocolate Espresso says looks like they're making some type of gears. I agree. I, I just oh, don't yeah. know what. Like, I know at this time they're collecting a shit ton of dunium, and they're building the the Death Star. You know, like so that that that's I know that's going on in the background of what's happening. I've right now. heard uh, the speculation mainly is that they were making the things that were holding the credits that they stole for all Donnie, but I. I, I think that it's got to be a bigger picture than that. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I guess I can see that looking at it now, but I mean, yeah, there's no way of really knowing. Maybe it'll pay off later on. Yeah. You'll actually see. So we'll I hope it doesn't. We got what? Four episodes left or uh, two episodes left? Four. Four? Oh, there's 12. That's right. Yep. Okay. So we got four. And then uh, one more 12 season or 12 episode season. Cool deal. So we might get a time jump here in the next little bit. This is actually a good time to do a time jump while he's in prison. You know, you won't miss yeah. a lot of what he's doing. So I'm fine with it being between seasons. I think I, I love time jumps between seasons. I think that it's a good like. Here's where we were, and like here's where we're gonna come back to. This so. is the next big important part you need to see. Everything yeah. else was just kind of yeah. I get that. So. All right, man. Well, four episodes left. We'll come back with that next week. We got uh, Bigfoot nose karate next week. Uh, we got uh, man. That's it. We're going to have to nope. talk about Peripheral. No. Nope. Oh, what else? Titan Season 4 is coming back. Oh, okay. Let me write that down. Titan Season 4. So, yep. Uh, That's uh, coming back on the 3rd. Okay. And we do and our then, next episode, uh, what, on the 4th? So, yeah, we'll get to watch so. a little bit of it. So, yeah, Little Sister's Birthday, which, by the way, she said she saw you the other day. So. Oh, yeah. I saw you yeah. last weekend. Cool deal. Always fun. Well, all right, man. Let's go ahead and get out of here. We hit that three-hour mark, so that's the uh, the golden point. We always well, actually we don't even try to get to it. It always happens to be right at three <laughs> yeah. hours, so it just works out perfectly. But um, where else they can find you here? You can find me at the Bat Daddy Fifty Two on Twitter uh, at GCS Podcast One is the show handle. Uh, check us out live every Friday, nine PM Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Give us a like, give us a share, leave a comment in the section, subscribe, thumbs up, all that good stuff that helps us beat the algorithms and uh, start to grow. You can catch us on any podcatcher of your choice. Uh, I usually drop the audio 
immediately after the show is done. So in a couple hours when you wake up in the morning, if you haven't listened to this live, you'll get to hear it right now. So, but enough being said, I think we might start to do some segments on this show, maybe do a couple short snippets during the week, but we'll see. Um, we got to see how time works out, but we're going to put some content out. It's going to be a lot more stuff coming out for the GCS podcast pretty soon. But until we get all that stuff worked out, keep down. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Later. Later, man. I always forget to hit the damn button.